Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to Season 3. Slash or pass. There will be laughter. <laughs> tears. <laughs> tender moments. Jeez. Jeez. My special, special boy. But most of all, screams. Remember, when you're in Death Hauler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time. We hope you have a killer time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a way to start it up. Yep. <laughs> hey, everyone. Yeah, well, welcome to Spooky Season. It's officially here. Yeah, we are we are uh we are uh balls deep into Spooky Season. Yeah, and and I'm loving it because there's actually several different um uh streaming services that have started getting in on the uh, Spooky Season game and we'll see how they've how they've done because uh Amazon Prime has totally killer out now. I need to watch that. I didn't know it was on Amazon. Okay, my dumbass thought you went to the theater to see that. Um, I didn't know it was on Amazon Prime, and I have it. Yeah, that's why I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to watch this tonight." It's it's on there. Yeah, but uh, you're not. It's not. I wouldn't like be surprised if you're like, "Hey, going to the theater again?" You know, because this is a movie. I don't know about you, but like this looked like a movie that I would probably go to the theater to watch. I, I'll get into it in a minute. Okay. But yeah. It, it, but uh, we have that. Paramount Plus has uh, uh, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, which is like <gasps> a continuation of Pet Cemetery. Shut the fuck up! And uh, wh- where did you watch yours at? Was that on? Is that on Netflix? It's on Hulu. It's on stolen Hulu. Oh, okay, it's on Hulu. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what? When you go to babysit people's kids and you log into your Hulu on their TV, you might want to log out or don't because that's how I have Hulu. <laughs> thanks person uh and that's not counting the the movies that are in the theaters although the current one is exorcist uh the believer and the ratings are not that good for that one yeah there's people they're like there's people right now that are basically posting that this is hours of their life they're never going to get back again and i feel pretty bad about it but it's like at the same time it's like you can't <laughs> Are we putting too high expectations on, is it really that bad, or are we just putting high expectations on horror films now? Because we're pretty desensitized. Um, I I think it's because of the name. If they would have called it any other thing but The Exorcist and yeah. tried to link it to that, I think they would have got by with it. But you can't slap that name on just anything and it be just okay. And that's, that's, that's the biggest complaint I've heard is that it's a okay movie, but yeah. then like with that name, it's like it sets up a certain level of expectation and it's not going to live up to it. Oh yeah. So, and they made two little baby Reagans. I mean, like (laughs) they all have to look the same, you know? I thought that was funny. It was like, uh, well, if one Reagan's scary, what about two? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we kind of got that with, um, evil dead rising. You didn't have one. You didn't have two. You had like what three at one time, not to mention everyone outside of the apartment. 
Yeah, yeah. They but they've had multiple deadites in some of the movies. That's true. Okay. Uh, so let let's start out with yours because I'm interested to hear about this uh, <laughs> new zombie movie in quotation marks. Yeah, I mean, okay. So you have to go into this for what it is. It's R.L. Stein. It's not going to be scary. Okay, by any means, it's going to be. It's a kid centric film. It's probably. Uh, centered around like not even teenage kids I would say preteen maybe basically if you're going to read a goosebumps book which I'm pretty sure this book was a goosebumps book back in 2012 that's expect that um expect fun they had pretty decent actors in it uh even the the no names like the kids that were playing they're they're pretty decent so decent acting good scenery um for me there was jump scares, but that doesn't count because what I have learned by this extremely not scary movie with extremely not scary zombies is I'm still going to scream when I run into a zombie. <laughs> they, some of them were friendly. Some of them, it wasn't that they were friendly. It was that they weren't like completely fully turned. Like they were zombies, but they also could be easily deterred by the protective eye. It's like an Egyptian symbol of an eye. Okay. okay. Um, that was the only thing that could protect you in a sense. And so they couldn't come near you with that, but, or they could, that they just couldn't do anything to you. They couldn't basically couldn't harm you. So one of the zombies ends up being still like a, almost like an assistant to the director of these films that he's making. Basically what's going on is there's this film creator. It's Dan Aykroyd. And I forget what he is in this, uh, uh, who, what his character's name is, but they have a whole ass town built around them. It's as if Stephen King had Kingsville, and in Kingsville, okay. they know that Stephen King lives there, and every film he comes out with is a hit. While how he's making these films is he's found like this Egyptian curse or this way to have the films make themselves. And why they're so good and why they seem so realistic is because the zombies are real. That you, you, play this weird it's almost like a necronomicon where you have this they're watching this blank film and the film that they're watching is actually them going out and causing chaos to the towns etc and every film he's ever made has not only had the real zombies but it's also trapped their souls into the film so it's almost like a continuation of R.L. Stein's Goosebump movies mm-hmm. where Jack Black as R.L. Stein wrote all those stories, but he didn't really write them because he was basically just writing about monsters that he was trapping inside of these books or whatever. Uh, yeah, that, that pretty much that. Only this is film. Yeah. Okay. okay. I didn't know that. I don't think I've, I don't, I haven't seen Goosebumps. They're, the The first movie is pretty decent. The yeah. second one, not so much, but yeah, that, for a kid, especially that first Goosebumps movie is it's pretty decent. Maybe I did see the first one. I don't think I've seen the second one. I'm gonna go with those were probably better than this one. This one was, I mean, it's it's straight to video version. It went straight to streaming. Um, yeah. So you know, wasn't there somebody else famous in it besides Dan Aykroyd though? Because I Chevy feel Chase. Like, that's what I thought. Okay. Yes, Chevy Chase was in it. He had a pretty small role. He was basically one of the he taught. Dan Aykroyd's character, how to do the spell. And in turn, Dan Aykroyd accidentally caught him in one of the movies. He got trapped. 
And so basically Chevy Chase is living, well, not Chevy Chase, his character is living basically his life trying to survive in these films because these films are still ever going, you know, on this reel. And they're all on reels. They're on old ass reels, et cetera. Um, yeah. So um, it was okay. Uh, there's better kid-friendly films out there. If you're a fan of R.L. Stein, and I was a huge fan, I don't know if you were, I read every fucking book when I was a kid. It was one of those, I have to watch this because he, he was so instrumental in my horror, uh, you know, beginnings. Yeah, I read like, I want to say like five of, or five, I probably read more than that, but there was like five that stood out to me whenever I was a kid of the oh, yeah. R.L. Stein Goosebumps books, so. yes. Um, and um, every, like, I think, I felt like every two months he came out with a book or something. Maybe it wasn't like that. That's what it felt like to me. But every day I would go down, uh, you know, the, the publish, uh, publisher's aisle at my store and I would look to see if there was a new Goosebumps book. Cause back then I didn't have the internet to be able to look like, Hey, Earl Stein, does he have any new books? What's up with him? You know, like my I, son I, has a favorite author on lock. He knows when the next book is coming out. I always had the uh, the scholastic book fairs is where I yes. got them at. Like whenever that came around the school, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get a bunch of Goosebumps books. You yes, know, that sort of thing. Pretty much, nope. As soon as they were out at the store before, because our scholastic book fairs were every six months at our area. Yeah, that's what ours were. Yeah, yeah, so I wanted them sooner, so I would go, I would find it, and I had to beg my mom, please, for this four dollar book. It was probably three dollars back in the day, you know. Uh, can I please, <laughs> please get this book and. Uh, yeah, if we could afford it, I was getting one. But yeah, so I had to watch this film. I can't say that I recommend it. Like I said, I think you have to be a, an R.L. Stein fan, you know, a dedicated R.L. Stein fan. Uh, it's not, at first, yesterday was the first day it was out. It was getting, like, just demolished. We're talking less than four stars out of ten on IMDb. It's now at 4.3, so it's gone up, but that's not significant. Um Rotten Tomatoes, it's holding solid. Uh, 60% on the tomato meter. Uh, it's gone down to 70% on the audience score. But okay. still, that's a passing grade. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was my my little... Uh, <laughs> Raina's still getting scared. The zombies were so stupid. Oh, the makeup was terrible, FYI. <laughs> it was god-awful in terms of... And, but... I was still fucking scared. And they said the stupidest shit. So, like, you know, you had the typical moaning and everything. You had this one teacher that just hated one of the kids that was one of the surviving kids, which, by the way, the reason why there's two surviving kids in this particular film uh, is because, oh, and, of course, the, the movie director or the movie creator, he has a necklace that protects him at all times. The kids had um, the, the covers of the reel, so the film covers, uh, the canisters, if you will, and it each had a protective eye on it because that's what keeps the zombies in or contained when they're not on film. Right. So they each had one, so they used it when this blast of light went out that was going to turn everyone in the theater or, you know, the town into zombies. They had these things to shield their face, and that's how they did not become zombies, which was, you know, clever enough. It works. So, yeah. Oh, but anyways, one of the teachers, uh, the thing she kept saying as a zombie was, detention. Okay, Sh I got up. you. That's, <laughs> that's the type of movie I figured it was when yes. I saw the preview, so I'm like, mm, okay. 
I just knew zombies I had to watch. And I was like, "Uh, if I'm going to be able to watch a zombie movie and not be scared, it's going to be this. And it was not this. I was still scared every now and then. (laughs) Well, I'm going to talk about one that I think you could watch and it still be in the wheelhouse of what you were just saying. So Tubi came out recently with a movie. uh, I I think it was Tubi. uh, At least it's on there called Natty Knox. It's N-A-T-T-Y-K-N-O-C-K-S. Okay. Um, It's got some pretty heavy hitters from the horror community in this movie. Danielle Harris uh, from uh, uh, Halloween 4 and, uh, you know, the Rob Zombie Halloween movies and, of course, the the Hatchet movies, at least the later ones. Uh, She plays like the mom in this this movie. Uh, She's uh, divorced from her husband. He's not really helping with the kids. Uh, It's The focus is not on her, but, like, she has a, you know, element in the movie and uh, she works for a realty company. And her boss at the realty company is Robert England, which you might have heard of. Oh, <laughs> I I think so. What's like? What's a movie he's been in? Um, uh, the Rise of Leslie Vernon, Behind the Mask. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was in that one. Uh, uh, but yeah, he uh, Robert's mostly in this to deliver exposition, like he delivers the story of Natty, like like how she came to be, and like it's. He's really good at that. That's all I could say. But like, he's primarily just for that scene, and then he's they they kind of like move him on. But uh, the main bad guy in the movie though is actually Bill Mosley, who has uh, been in a ton of movies, uh, including the the Rob Zombie, uh, you know, Firefly trilogy. You know, so um, he plays a really good bad guy, uh, and he was Chop Top. So we've already covered him this season. You know, uh, Dog Will Hunt, as it were. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but basically you fall, I mean, this movie best described if I was to shorten it down to say an episode of, are you afraid of the dark, but with gore? Ooh. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. So it starts out and basically there's this woman who's sleeping with this dude, you know, she's, she's fucking him and, and all these women are pissed off and they're, they're wanting the book back from her. They're calling her a witch. And, uh, and they basically run her into this shed and she refuses to tell them where the book's at and they set fire to it and she swears that she'll get revenge on them. And that, that's Natty that, that they did that. Well, her son who, it, you know, it's revealed later in the movie is Bill Mosley. Um, he saw this happen. So like, it's almost like a Jason situation where he saw his mother get killed. So now he's a killer, you know? Oh. And, uh, and um, these kids are pulling a prank for Natty Knox night. It's Halloween, basically. And they all they do a burning of the witch, Natty Knox, and they've got this whole story behind her. And, uh, and these kids go to pull a prank, but they go to her actual original house, and Bill Mosley just happens to be in there. And so the, the movie is him trying to, you know, basically take these kids out that, you know, happen to see him. Because they saw him with one of the local teen or high school girls, he had her like uh, he knocked her out and he drug her in the basement and you know and so they you know it's one of those things where they're they can't really tell the police what they're doing because if they do they're going to get in trouble so they 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 report anonymously to the police but the police don't really do anything so the rest of the movie is them trying to convince people that there's actually a murder in the house. Wow. Um, and but I mean it, it's. The stakes are not like, I mean, it's not like a traditional horror movie because, I mean, it, it does play toward, like, kids. So it, okay. it has that are you afraid of the dark feel. But, I mean, he's a real killer. He's really out to kill these kids. And um, 
in particular, he wants their babysitter uh, because like, and, and, and toward the end of the movie, what, what Robert England reveals is that Natty Knox was actually, she was a, uh, like a B movie star. Um, she was in a lot of like risque movies back in like the fifties and sixties, uh, horror movies. And she, uh, whenever her looks dried up, you know, at least for Hollywood, she moved back to her hometown where, you know, it was very religious and all that. And that's the reason she left was because her parents were like overbearing. And when she came back, she, uh, realized that she could make money being in the world's oldest profession and the women in town didn't like that. And she kept the book and the book that they wanted was a book of the names, all the, her Johns, which happened to be the husbands of the town's wives. So that's the reason they wanted to kill her was because she was fucking their, their, their man. How? Um, and so, I mean, but I will say this, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but there is a ghost element to the movie. It's not just Bill Mosley's like trying to get revenge. There is a ghost involved. So, okay. I mean, it has a little bit of that too. A little extra. Um, All right. Pop off. But, uh, it's, it wasn't bad. I mean, it, uh, the gore in it was pretty good. I mean, the blood, the blood and all that, uh, I, the Bill Mosley does great as the character. I mean, you know, he's real good at playing like those conflicted, like crazy type people. It's fun seeing Robert pop up, uh, Daniel Harris. I mean, they don't give her a whole lot, but she's fine as the, the hot mom as it were. So not too bad for like a, a more of a kid's horror movie. Yeah. Uh, I just went into it expecting it to be something more than that. And I mean, I wasn't disappointed. I was just like, oh, okay, now I get what it was. I just, I didn't, you know, realize that going into it. Um, the other movie I saw recently was uh, No One Will Save You, which is uh, just popped up on Hulu recently, which is actually a, it's an alien abduction slash home invasion movie. W- what? Home invasion by who? Aliens? Aliens. The okay. Grays. They're gray aliens. They're straight up like the, the the little gray man with the big eyes and all that. They're they're breaking into this girl's home. And the the good thing about the movie, or the impressive thing about the movie to me, is hardly anything is spoken in the movie because the girl lives by herself. You can tell with what limited dialogue she has because nobody in town will talk to her. They just give Aww. her ugly looks or outright, you know, uh, look like they're going to kill her when she walks around them. Uh, you get this vibe that she, her best friend is missing. Uh, her mother died recently or in the recent past cause she goes to visit her grave. And, uh, so, and, and the rest of the town blames her for something and it, they eventually reveals it in the movie. But like, since she's on her own and that's kind of the hint of the title, no one will save you when the aliens do invade and they, they don't just invade her house. Cause when she finally escapes from the house, they're all over the town, Fuck. But, the fa- but the fact is nobody likes her. So nobody even attempts to help her out whenever she needs their help. Does it? Okay. <laughs> I'm on, I'm all intrigued now. I'm invested. Is there something wrong with her? Is she just recluse or does she look ugly? What, what, why doesn't? No, she's, uh, I mean, she's a little out there. She's like one of those like Etsy, like artist types or Uh whatever, but there's, there's nothing really. I mean, she's just a, you know, kind of a Gen Z, you know, free willing type. Like there's nothing really wrong with her. Um, Uh, Is that how small towns are? Well, it's not that. Okay. They, they reveal oh, what okay. happened to her friend and how <gasps> she was involved in it, and that's why everybody hates Okay, because I'm like, no, this is not, how terrifying. Um, 
And and the only problem is it's a re- I mean it's actually creepy in parts. Like even though they're gray aliens and it's like you know four foot tall if they're anything. Well, mm. some of them actually there's some near the end of the movie that are taller than a house. So oh, okay, and, no fuck that. Um, and and they run on like these spider like legs. I mean there there's a whole thing to them. But um, she it's really good for most of the runtime. There's a really trippy scene where one of them, like they finally stop her. They finally, you know, uh, she's, they, they've got like a way of psychically force it with whatever abilities they've got. They can stop you from moving. And they like, they basically, one of them coughs up this like nasty, like phlegm that's got like tentacles and stuff and nah. they shove it in her mouth. No. And basically they control you at that point. She's, you know, and then there's a whole scene of her like fighting this because, and in your mind, whenever this thing is taken over, they make you, it's like you're living in heaven. Like they give you everything you want in your mind, but you're not in control of your actual body. You're just stuck in like a tiny corner of your mind, just living your best life as it were. Uh, she fights this cause she doesn't, you know, uh, that's her thing. And she and there's eventually an, an end point of the movie where like everything you know comes to a head, and it has the oddest fucking ending. If the ending is the part that if anybody is going to drop off from this movie and say what the fuck, I, I you know I might have wasted my because the every part of the movie up to that was great, but then the ending's one of those like 180 type things. And I mean I got it, and I don't it's it's I don't know I kind of understand it, but it's like it doesn't. It's it's like you completely just drop everything you did before and you go with something completely different for the ending. Okay. Fucking and weird. And it's I don't know. It's the the ending I could see that being like a deciding point for people who are like I love this movie until the ending and it just ruined it for me. I if if people say that I could totally understand it. Yeah, fucking oof, <laughs> weird. Uh and then of course Totally Killer just came out and that was the one that I was recommending that you watch yep. because uh, it's from the some of the same people that made uh, Happy Death Day and uh, Freaky, I believe. Okay, horror comedy. Horror comedy, that's yes. what it is. Uh, has some really cool people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has uh, Kiernan Shipka, who played, you know, uh, Sabrina in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yes, we love her. Uh, it has Julie Bowen in it, which I believe is from... Uh, uh, what, the, what is that mo- that TV show that you... With, Modern Family? Uh, Modern Family, mm-hmm. yes. It has, she plays the mom, I believe, in like the present two, 2023 time, because we'll get to that in a second. Okay. And the dad is Lachlan Monroe, which you might recognize as the guy who had the small penis in Scary Movie. Shut the fuck up. Wait, he was in one of the Friday movies too, wasn't he? He is. Okay. He very I was like, is. do yes. I recognize this bitch? Not for any other's particular body parts, his face, okay, everybody? Gosh. <laughs> But he's in it, and he plays her dad in the current time. And the reason I say current time is because this is a time traveling slash. Okay, it's a, it's a Friday. It goes with Friday the Thirteenth a little. No, not really. Not not time traveling. I'm thinking, you know, uh, Jason's ability to, uh, to teleport, to warp, yeah. which we went into. Uh, but it, it's I, the concept. I mean, couldn't be per- more perfect for me. I'm, I I love Back to the Future. Okay. And they reference Back to the Future in this movie because obviously they have to. Um, and they even and they do they do reference um, what is it uh, Avengers uh, Endgame, 
which I thought had some of the shittiest uh, time travel logic in history, and they comment on it and say the same thing. So good on you, writers. Um, The whole thing... The whole thing about, like, if you change something in the past, it doesn't change anything in the future because it causes parallel dimensions or whatever bullshit they came up with in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Fuck you. (laughs) No. Uh, But anyways, so the gist of the movie is, is that there's a Sweet 16 killer. And he struck, he, 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 in 1987 on Halloween or the days leading up to Halloween and Halloween night, he killed three girls in town. And the, call, the reason they call him sweet 16 is because the girls, at least two of them were celebrating their 16th birthday and he stabbed them 16 times before they died. I mean, they probably deserved it at that age. I'm just, you know. Well, uh, that's the funny thing is you say that because those girls were part of a group called the Mollies, and basically it was 1987's version of Mean Girls. Oh, okay, here you go. <laughs> the plastics. But guess, but guess who was also a member of the Mollies and probably the ringleader of them? Kieran and Shipka? No, uh, her mom, Julie Bowen, <gasps> at least the younger version of her. Julie, no. <laughs> uh, so, but... Kiernan doesn't know this. What, so, so what happens in the current time, and this this is the setup for the movie, so I'm not spoiling a whole lot, is that Julie has been investigating, the, or Julie Bowen's character, Pam, uh, Kiernan Shipka's mom has been investigating this with this local uh, uh, true crime guy who does podcasts or whatever, who was also there at the time whenever all this stuff happened when they were kids. Uh, he, but she's been like with him, been investigating with him, trying to figure out who the killer was because it was never, they were never caught. And the three people that died ended up being her best friends. Um, so she always feared that the killer would come back to finish the job. And on Halloween night, 2023, he does. I mean, she does a really good job of fighting him off, but he eventually, uh, overcomes her and gets killed, and that gives Kieran and Shipka a reason to want to go back and, and change things uh, because, basically, her mother has just been murdered. You oh, know? But, okay. And so her friend, uh, it, it explains it in the movie, but her friend's like kind of a sciencey nerd, has been building a time machine, and it just so happens that uh, one night whenever the killer is trying to attack Kieran and Shipka's character, Uh, He follows her to what amounts to like a time-traveling photo booth, and uh, he happens to stab the the control panel, which is just the thing that the thing needed to actually work. Like, they were missing one thing, and they needed needed a metal conductor, which the knife was. It sends her back to 1987, which is what was programmed into the machine, and so now she is trying to go about and prevent the murders from happening in the first place or to catch the killer in the past when he first did it so that her mom won't die in the future. Okay. It's it's a good concept for a slasher. And and the and the only thing is, and I can see this complaint, I made this slightly. Kiernan Shipka's character is a quintessential twenty twenty three girl, meaning that as soon as she goes back to the eighties, she has to comment on every fucking oh thing that people did in the past. Uh it's kind of funny in a way, and it's true. Like the name of the local like uh, mascot for their football team is the Red Devils, is what they were called uh, in in uh, twenty twenty three, and it was just like a red devil face. When she goes back to nineteen eighty seven, it's an Indian person, <laughs> like the Native Americans, and it's they're called the Red Devils. And she looks at it, and she's like, "Of course, racism is what I'll see when I'm here," you know. So she makes these comments, but the thing that I like about it 
the movie actually had it makes fun of her over it. Like okay. she comments on all this stuff and the people in the time period either look at her like, are you fucking lame? Like, why do you, you know, who cares about this? Or they outright make fun of her. It's like, she'll say something and be like, me, 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 yeah. you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so I love it for doing that because I mean, yes, she would go back and say these things because entitled, entitled Gen Z's from 2023 would, for sure say something about the 80s when they got back Someone who's there. never lived in that time. They don't know. But the people in the 80s would also be like, fuck you, which is what they do in the movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I, it's it's good that way. Uh, the Kiernan Shipka does a great job in the movie. She really does. She makes you care for her, for the character she's playing, even though she's not the greatest person either. But, like, her mom, when she goes back and finds out her mom was just, like, a mean girl piece of shit, like, you know, she 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 puts a lot of heart in the movie. I'll just put it that way. Was it an awkward conversation when she makes it back to 2023 with her mom? Like, Mom, you were a bitch. Uh, well, the funny thing about that is, is through the course of the movie, she imparts enough, like, good qualities onto her teenage mother that her mother actually becomes a better person when she comes back to 2023. Okay. So it's one of those things. It's like her, like, cause they, they point out in the movie, like she has a terrible relationship with her mom. Like she talks back to her. Like, I mean, even though her mom is like, you know, in 2023, her mom's not that person. Like she's grown up. She's actually a decent human being. Yeah. Um, but like when she tries to talk to her daughter, Kiernan, Kiernan just like, shut the fuck up, mom. I'm not listening to this. You know, she's one of those type daughters or whatever. Yeah. When, and she makes comments. She's like, uh, well, how come you don't talk to grandma? Like, she, you know, she she makes the comment all the time. She's like, why doesn't grandma come around? And it's like, you know, hitting that, like, there wasn't a good relationship there with, uh, you know, between Pam, her mom, and, and her grandma. When she goes back in the past and she sees her teenage mom, like, I mean, just she's awful to her, like, you know, to Kieran and Shipka's grandma, you know, younger, of course. Yeah. And, you know, Pam's mom, she tells her, she's like, you might want to talk better to your mom because they might not be here all the time, you know, because she's finally understood that, you know, because, her, you know, Pam dies, you know, in the future, she's trying to impart to her, you know, to her mom. Yeah. That, you know, like grandma might not be here, you know, not saying it that way. Yeah. But, you know, you might want to have a better relationship with her, you know, Aww. and, and she does, because when they go back to the future, this is a spoiler, but I mean, not really for the movie. When she goes back to the future, her mom's like, uh, oh, yeah, and grandma says she's coming over for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Aww. wants to know, you know, so they, you know, she she affects things in that way that actually improves stuff. Uh, it's kind of funny whenever she goes back in time. <laughs> Uh, they play into the whole Back to the Future thing where, you know, like in Back to the Future, uh, he looks at uh, George, uh, Marty looks at George and he's like, Dad. And then he like tries to cover it by saying, Dad, Dad, Daddy O, because he's so used to saying that to George. Yeah. When she looks at Pam like several times, she's like, Okay, Mom. And then like they look at her and she's like, Mom, Mom, Mama Sita. And <laughs> then at one point in the movie, they're like, Are you a lesbian? Like, are you hot for me? Is that, that's what like, you know, they, they ask her because she keeps saying that, you know? Um, and of course, Lachlan Monroe, whenever she goes back in time, like her dad is just like this, you know, kind of a pothead, like, you know, uh, like ripped, uh, you know, just good old time guy or whatever. And it's just funny seeing her like, you know, interact with her dad, like whenever he was just a teenage, you know, boy that didn't care you know about anything really. So, um, pretty good movie though. 
uh, yeah. highly recommend it. I if, if I was going to say if if it came in a movie theater, I would 100% recommend people okay. to watch it. I'm glad you said that because at first I thought you were veering to it's good, but it's not that good, you know. No, I hundred. It, it, I want to own the movie. Of this I hope Amazon doesn't like lock this on streaming. It's like you know, like yeah. Netflix does with all their shit. And it's like, you know, if you want to watch it, you got to subscribe to Amazon Prime. I mean, yeah, I want to come out with like 4K, Blu-ray, whatever, just so that you know, person, because it it and being set during Halloween, you can add it into your Halloween rotation. That's and, true. You know, is it disappointing that it went straight to streaming? To me, it is because I think that they would have got way more money if they would have put it on. It's yeah. good enough that it would have been in the theaters. Yeah. It should have been in the theaters. Uh, hopefully, Amazon's paying pretty good. And we know Netflix isn't. So, at least in long term, they're not. So, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's totally worth it. And if, I mean, if you, uh, if you like horror comedies uh, and slashers, I, it's, it's, you know, there it's it fits the bill. So horror comedies are always a slash here in Death Holler. It's not a pass. We have not found a horror comedy yet that's been a pass. Yeah, I, I just know there's certain people that hate the combination of the two. Mm-hmm. I don't understand those people. I don't think they like fun or life, but I'm just saying. Well, here in Death Holler, we don't like your kind in these parts. <laughs> you can just turn back around. Yeah. All right. Have you got any other movies you want to talk about before we uh, head in and uh, discuss the, the these movies that we're going to discuss today? If I do, it's not on the top of my head right now, so I'm ready to roll into Friday the 13th. Welcome back to Death Holler. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is my co-host and fellow camping enthusiast, La Urena. I love camping by the river. <laughs> drown all the kiddos. Uh, oh, yeah, that is true. That is one of your things that you like to do. Oh, yes. Um, just, just don't camp near lakes. That's, you know. Lakes, rivers, whatever. Stay. Any body of water, it could be a puddle, okay? Yeah, but you know who lives in lakes. Oh, come on. His name was Jason. <laughs> Say it. And we're and we are celebrating his birthday during the spookiest time of the year, no less. That's right, everyone. This October has a Friday the thirteenth, and what better way to celebrate than to cover the remaining six films in the Friday the thirteenth film series. Woohoo. In these films we will be cover the in the films we'll be covering this episode, Zombie Jason fights Carrie. Uh, Jason travels to New York. He gets sent to hell. He goes to outer space. (laughs) He fights Freddy Krueger. And he is reborn into a new, more menacing backwoods pot farmer. Mm -hmm. So put on your hockey mask, sharpen up your machete, and join us near the boat docks for some good old slashing fun. Mm -hmm. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you could take the time to like, comment, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. 
Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on uh, Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. And we're finally on Pandora. <laughs> we finally, for years, we've been trying to get on Pandora, and I finally got us on Pandora, if that's you your fi- thing. You finally cracked that box and uh, opened it up. Yes, we, I made it happen. Well, they made it happen. I don't know. Look, it, it happened, okay? <laughs> All right, folks. Friday the 13th, The New Blood from 1988. Tagline, on Friday the 13th, Jason will meet his match. Yeah, I mean, he does. (laughs) Technically, yeah. He does, yeah. And it was, uh, okay, we'll get into it. Yeah. Directed by John Carl Beekler, uh, written by Daryl Haney and Manuel Fidello, based on characters by Sean S. Cunningham and Victor Miller. Uh, music by Harry Manfredini and Fred Molin. Made for a budget of $2.8 million, it made $19.2 million. killed it, literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, principal players, we have Lar Park Lincoln playing Tina Shepard, the telekinetic Lar Park girl. Lincoln? Lar Park Lincoln, What yes. the fuck? Kind of, okay. Uh, it's It has to be some kind of weird, like, you know, uh, Hollywood stage name or something. Uh, she has been in a fan film about the continuation of this movie called Roseblood. Uh, and I have yet to watch that. And I plan on following up this to see where they take the story from this particular movie. Uh, she was also in sky sharks, which is a strange movie about like sharks that fly and Nazis. Yeah. Autumn road, ghost party, Knott's landing, uh, house Two: the second story. And she was on an episode of Freddy's Nightmares, so she kind of crossed over between the two franchises. Uh, Lar is short for Lori. I figured it was. Lori Park Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, it's one one of those Hollywood names. All right. Uh, Kane Hodder making making his appearance as Jason Voorhees. Of course, uh, this is the fan favorite Crystal Lake killer. Um, And you said you're going to get into that. Are we going to get into that when his, his run is over? Uh, we can discuss it now if you want to discuss uh, I, I, all there is about. I need to know. What about Kane Hodder? What? Okay. After watching these, this is a spoiler alert for me, but to me, it's unfortunate. I really liked the look of Kane Hodder as Jason, and we do get better Kane Hodder. Big Kane Hodders. <laughs> we get better Jasons. We get. Excuse me. We get bigger Jasons. I thought he was the biggest. He is not. The biggest Jason no, we get. No, we get Ken Kurtzinger, which is the reason that he was, uh, that the reason that Kane Hodder was replaced in Freddy versus Jason, which everybody at the time wanted Kane yeah. to go up against, you know, Robert England, uh, was because Ken Kurtzinger has three inches of height over Who cares? Uh, Kane Hodder. I, uh, yeah, I felt the same exact way about it. I'm like, who three the fuck cares? Three inches? Okay. Fucking, what's his name? Is five foot nine. He's or five foot eight. Oh no, no, that was the other actor that played him. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, Robert is like five ten or something. Okay, so he's not that tall. Uh, they just wanted somebody who was that extra little bit of height, so that he that Robert looked even smaller. Versus, I'm just like that. You're fucking stupid. Yeah, like everybody wanted Kane Hodder, and and why is Kane Hodder, who is a stunt man, the preferred person for Jason? Well. 
now I will make the argument, and and Kane Hodder's not against this. He does, I, to my knowledge, he does not have an antagonistic uh, antagonistic relationship with C.J. Graham, who was Zombie Jason in Part Six, which mm-hmm. is uh, you know my favorite of the series. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Um, C.J. Graham would have been great if they would have continued with him. He yeah. had that silent stalker down. I agree. Fine. Kane Hodder, and and he didn't even know he was doing this. This was pointed out by fans. He has certain movements as Jason that just make the character look more menacing. I agree. He does. He has a hulking uh, way that he walks. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it, he just got like a tr- like a stomp to him. that like you know he's, he's ready. walk. Yeah, it's like he's ready for business. Like yeah. he's going to fucking punch your block off, which he does in yeah. part eight, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Um, he has a way, and he didn't know this. He said that fans pointed out it's just something that he did. He turns his head before he ever turns his body as Jason. Oh, and there's something, something there's, about that. There's something about that that is kind of creepy. It's like when he hears you, he turns his head first, and then he turns his body, you know, to yeah. follow. It's like um, he, he verifies the target. Um, I want to say before you continue on this is that I liked Kane Hodder in all of his films, but – I unfortunately feel he wasn't in the best of the Jason films. Like, I, I don't was, feel like they were the great ones. They were not. <sighs> so uh, unfortunate. He he got Jason at a time whenever Jason was on decline, and it's unfortunate because he was the best person to ever play the character. Okay, so we're on that same page. Okay, so why do the people, other than the turn, is that is that it? Is that why? Because of the way he's menacing and walking? I mean, obviously, you know. Uh, why do the people prefer him? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it, it's just the way that he played him. And, and like, people will fully admit that the last, you know, these last six, well, n- last five, because the remake, you know, yeah. doesn't count, uh, are not the best of the, you know, the series. Okay. And it takes, but the, the joy of watching them is from seeing just, like, the sheer, like, brutality and, like, yes. Force that Kane Hodder brings to the character when he plays the character. Yes, because it was taken away. The the any actor that was around, you know, Kane Hodder and really any other Jason, if we're being honest, uh, any actor that they didn't count. They were just there, no matter how good they were. It was about Jason. Where's Jason? What's Jason doing? Oh yay, Jason is back. Uh, more so than anything, this yes. movie, especially, uh, I, yeah, but you're right. Like, I mean, it's, and the other thing is too, is that he played the character for longer than any other person consecutively. Yes. So people got attached to him. They got fond of like the way that he played the character. Yeah. Every it, time I saw Kane Hodder, I was like, Kane Hodder again, Kane Hodder again, you know, if, if CJ Graham had stayed, they might've got connected to him that way. But I, there's something about Kane Hodder's portrayal that I still think is, is it, it's chef's kiss, you know, the way yeah. he plays the character. The only thing that I don't like about the way he plays the character, but it's fine because it adds to the, you know, just how fierce he is, is that he has these moments where he just sits there and you can see him like kind of breathing as he's getting yeah. like planning on what he's going to do to people. <laughs> and it's like, you're not living, dude. You don't need to fucking breathe. You don't know fine, that, you know? Reverend. You don't know. <laughs> he does have a beating heart, so there's that. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, need oxygen if... for that. You know these things. <laughs> Let me rephrase. You know. But uh, the fact that he was underwater for like over a year and like he, but he, he still has to breathe. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
But yeah, there's something about the way that even he does the breathing, though, that still adds to it. I loved it. It was <laughs> like a kid. Uh, of course, Kane Hodder has been in the Hatchet series because he plays Victor Crowley is basically a love letter to Jason. And oh, okay. Because it, he's a big mongoloid from the swamp that basically goes around killing people and you can't really kill him. Okay. And Kane Hodder actually plays uh, both the character of Victor Crowley and his father because Kane Hodder is actually, without the makeup on, his dad in that movie. So he's okay. in it twice. Okay. Pop off. Uh, Robert England's also in the first Hatchet movie, wow. just so you know, for like a split second. And Tony Todd, the Candyman's in those Jesus. movies. Jesus! All the classics. And, and, and I think it's part three, Derek Mears, who would end up becoming Jason in the remake, is also in the Hatchet movies. Fuck, dude. Uh, and, of course, like I already mentioned, uh, Daniel Harris is in those movies. So the, a lot of horror cred in those movies. Uh, behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, he's in that one short scene at the beginning when yeah. they're uh, filming in front of Freddy's house. Yes. He's like Freddy's next-door neighbor, and he just kind of tells him to fuck off, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, he was in the movie Prison. That's actually the reason he got the role in Part 7 was because the Gary uh, – Gary Beekler, well, not Gary Beekler, John Carl Beekler, uh, liked his portrayal in prison so well, and and the fact that he actually ate live worms in that movie to kind of add to the character's part in that film, that he, you know, that he he wanted him in this movie as Jason. And that's the reason he got his role in it. Yeah. Uh, he was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game as Leatherface, which is hilarious. Uh, so he's kind of crossed over into several different. <laughs> Uh, slasher movies. Yeah. Uh, Chillerama, The Devil's Rejects, uh, Wishmaster, Pumpkinhead 2, Blood Wings, Scanner Cop 2, House 2, The Second Story with Ooh. Laura Park Lincoln. So they was actually yeah. another movie together. Oh, they have they, they have a bond. <laughs> Somebody who doesn't have a bond with Laura Park Lincoln is Kevin Spiritas, who plays Nick Rogers, Tina's love interest. Uh, this is a little bit of trivia given early, but uh, Nick, who is Tina's love interest in the movie, uh, gotten to such a like behind the scenes like hate fest with Lar Park Lincoln, like two of them <gasps> like just outright hated each other. They ended up uh, uh, he they barely finished the movie because of it, and after it was all said and done, he went and immediately wrote a follow up script to the movie where uh, uh, Nick ended up killing Tina after that, just so he'd get his own revenge, even if it was in written form. So there you go. What the <laughs> fuck? Okay. I have to say, though, acting-wise, they have to be some of the best actors then because it did not, they, they, they did not bring that on screen. No, it didn't come across in the screen. Not so at you're all. Right on that. Um, he was a regular actor in the Days of Our Lives soap opera. He was in the 1984 Hills, Hills Have Eyes 2, and he's also in Roseblood, a final uh, Friday the 13th fan film. So, he did come back. I don't know if he acts opposite of Laura Park, if they finally, like, you know, yeah. resolved everything, but he is in that fan film with her. So. You think that they fucked and he just, like, ghosted her? <laughs> I don't, I can't remember what, I think it was something about they, they just got to bickering, like, really bad, like, over different things, and, like, they just couldn't stand each other. Oh, your you face know. is ugly when you cry, and she's like, I have to cry for the film, you dick. <laughs> How come I have to fucking do everything? You're not you're a weak little bitch in this movie. I'm the one fucking saving everyone. <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah. 
John Otrin plays John Shepard, Tina's father, uh, in it for like a few minutes beginning of the movie, just so he can have a uh, boat dock dropped on top of him. Whew. She was mad, uh, mad. <laughs> Stacy Greason plays Jane McDowell, Michael's uh, girlfriend. And I'm going to, these are, I'm, I'm going to, uh, spoiler folks, these are the least developed characters in any of these fucking movies, and I could care less about any of them. So you're going to hear basic descriptions like, so-and-so's boyfriend, so-and-so's girlfriend, because yeah. that's literally the only purpose they serve in this fucking film. I'm like, looking at it. like, who the fuck is Michael? <laughs> uh, William Butler plays Michael Rogers, the birthday boy. They're actually having, he's the only one in the movie that they're, they're all gathered together in this house next to where Tina ends up coming back to just so they can give this guy a birthday. And he never shows up because he's fucking killed on the way in. Okay. Yeah. Um, He's got the most horror movie creds of like anybody, but like Kane Hodder though, in the movie, uh, or, mostly that because he was uh he played a i think his name's tom uh in the nightmare or i mean the night of the living dead remake in the 1990 one he was in that movie with tony todd uh he was in demonic toys uh, jack attack as the director uh curse of the the reanimator the baby oopsie movies which they look fucking ridiculous like it's literally a, a demonic like little baby or something trying to kill people uh the 12 slaves of christmas uh, mothman Mothman. Uh, he, he was in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three, uh, Terror Night, and Freddy's Nightmares, and he was actually in two episodes of it. So, oh, there and you, you go. missed Night of the Living Dead, nineteen ninety. Well, I said that earlier. Oh, oh you know, okay, that's, my bad. That's where that's where I know him from. When I saw his face, I was like, "He's Tom," or you know, or whatever his name is from that. He's basically it's Tom and Judy. I think are their names. They're the ones that are like you know the the cousins to the people who own the house. And they're the ones that end up fucking getting burned alive because they make stupid fucking mistakes. Yeah. We'll get to that in zombie season, but yeah, okay. they're idiots. <laughs> Michael Schroeder plays Dan Carter, which is Judy's boyfriend. Whoever the fuck Judy is. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Kessler plays Judy oh, uh, okay. Williams. Uh, she's Dan's girlfriend in a sleeping bag. hoe. yeah, she is. Uh, and <laughs> We're, spoiler alert, the sleeping bag kills are pretty yes. fine. Yes, pretty fine. they are. I fucking love them. Uh, Larry Cox plays Russell Brown, who is uh, Sandra's boyfriend and a yuppie. He just, he's got that pink outfit with like the blue ascot. And that's like the only, that's the only <laughs> defining thing to the character. Because literally the fucking characters in this movie do not fucking matter. Uh, Heidi Kozak Haddad plays Sandra Casey, the skinny dipper and Russell's girlfriend. Whoever the fuck Russell is. Uh, she was in Society, Slumber Party Massacre 2. Uh, Diana Barrows plays Maddie Paulson. She's the dumbass nerd that keeps, like, popping in and out from a shed until she's fucking killed by Jason. Yes. Uh, Craig Thomas plays Ben McNeil, uh, Kate's fuck buddy. Uh, Diane Almeida plays Kate Pataki, who is Ben's fuck buddy. Uh, John Renfield plays David Peabody, who's just a pothead. That's, Gotta have I mean, one. Yeah, you always got to have one of these movies. Jeff Bennett plays Eddie McCarlo, who's a cuck and a sci-fi writer. Uh, and funny thing about him, he's the voice of Johnny Bravo. Shut up. <laughs> so the little nerdy guy in this movie that, like, wants to sleep with the one chick and she, the hot chick who's also the mean girl in the movie, and she fucking tells him she was just using him to make uh, uh, Nick or, or whatever his name is, the, the let's see, yeah, Nick Rogers, um, jealous he ends up being the voice of johnny bravo later on so there you go folks you can always grow up and have a deep masculine voice even if you're a little you know 
piece of shit like this guy was. Elizabeth Catan plays Robin Peterson, who's a girl just wanting to have fun. Uh, she wants to smoke some dope and, and get late at a party whenever her uh, little uh, dumbass nerd friend keeps trying to rein in her uh, stuff. So there you go. Yeah. She turned into a... How can I phrase this? She gets the uh, Linnea Quigley Award for oh, no. going on to be like the sex pot. Uh, she was in Vice Academy 3, 4, 5, and 6. Damn. Slave, slave Girls from Beyond Infinity, The Erotic House of Wax, and Petticoat Planet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Susan Blue plays Amanda Shepard, who is Tina's mom. She's a, a voice director. Uh, yeah. And uh, Terry Kaiser plays Dr. Christopher Cruz, uh, who's a horrible psychologist. How many movies we're going to have where slashers uh, have just these psychologists who like to gaslight the Yeah, girls? what the fuck, dude? <laughs> uh, and if you recognize Terry Kaiser, well, that's because he was Bernie in Weekends at, okay. at Bernie's 1 and 2. I w- <laughs> wasn't 100% about that. Uh, he was. Uh, he's also in Roseblood, a final, uh, Friday the 13th fan film. So somehow he comes back for the fan film. I don't okay. know how because he's definitively killed in this. Oh, but, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, Jason comes and, back too. So you just never know with these movies, okay? And uh, the way he dies is hilarious, though, because he keeps falling in the <laughs> woods. And Jason takes his sweet time. Just yeah. like, wait, I'm not going to kill you the machete. Look, I got something better than this. And he goes back and he gets like a fucking... Uh, some kind of weed cutter or something. And he's like, okay, this is how I'm going to take this. Yeah. Out. Oh my God. And it was sweet, sweet justice. It really was. Jason, uh, he, he saved the hose a few times in these films. He, he actually has. Yes. Uh, we'll get to it. Jason's actually sympathetic in some of these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, not this one necessarily, yeah. but, but in some of the later ones. And as it stands has still not harmed an animal. That is a dog, true. A dog. Uh, From a Whisper to a Scream is another movie that Terry Kaiser was in. That's a horror movie. And then finally, Suzanne Jennifer Sullivan plays Melissa Parr, who is the scheming mean girl that finally gets an axe to the head at the end, toward the end of the movie. Was she uh, scheming? She Well, she was a mean girl, but she was also a hoe. Well, she was, but she was wanting to get with Nick, so that's where the scheming parts comes in because she has the only uh, actual narrative arc of any of the extra characters and the fact that she used the one nerdy guy to try to get back at yeah. Nick. I don't know how that was going to work out, but yeah. that's what she's trying to do. Uh, synopsis, Carrie versus Jason. Next. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. You're 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 not except oh yeah, and they were all gonna laugh at her too. Huh. Huh. Okay, I didn't the, I didn't even think about that. The director even said that's what the movie was. Oh so. my god. But I mean I'm not saying Carrie wasn't good because it was. Uh, she's just not covered in blood, so she's just, you know, fucking making yeah. it happen. Well, okay. Funny you say that. Uh, so the movie is officially called uh, Friday the 13th, The New Blood. <laughs> yeah. Fans called it Friday the 13th, The No Blood because there is literally no blood in this movie because it is the one that is cut to fucking shit. Okay, that makes sense. I didn't even think about that. I mean, there was a little bit of blood, but not like, you know. It, it, yeah. Every kill in this movie is a cutaway. Like every yeah. single one. And it was the kills were so clean. It, it, they're they're the 
the variety of the kills, the way that Jason even goes back to get the, the like I said, the weed cutter to take out the, you know, Terry Cruz's character or uh, Terry Kaiser's character, Dr. Cruz. It's, it is such a travesty that they cut this movie as bad as they did. Like, I mean, of all the movies in the series, this would have had some of the best kills and they fucking cut every one of them to the bone. Yeah, I was not a fan. It, it it will give you major slasher blue balls because you get no payoff in this movie. Yeah. Uh, body count, 16. That's respectable. Jo- yeah, it's pretty good. It's It gets way better, though, as we get along. Like, these movies have ridiculous kill counts. Uh, John Shepard is drowned by his daughter. <laughs> Jane is stabbed. Michael has a tent spike to the back. Dan is punched through the back and has his neck broken. That's a fucking good kill. Just having your, just that punch. Through. That's where Kane Hodder really shows his ferocity. That punch to the back was just, mm. Yeah, and, okay. So, one of the things we've always noticed, well, I don't think it shows so much of them in this film, maybe the next one, but, like, some of the some of the films, you just know, Jason Voorhees is super fucking strong. He just has this strength, and he rarely struggles. In this movie, he doesn't struggle as much, but he he starts to struggle with some of the the scenes where he's holding people up, and I feel like it's really him doing it. <laughs> it's really Kane Hodder like f- folding people in half or trying yeah. to, you know. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, cause I don't know. Anyways, we'll get further into that. Uh, Kane Hodder loves that that stuff, so like, it, I could totally see him saying, nope. You're not going to just make this some kind of contraption. I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Judy is slammed against the tree in a sleeping bag. Oh, yes! man, what a what a fucking kill. This, yeah. They double up on it, and it's slightly better in uh, Jason X, but Chef's Kiss, this kill, like, it's perfect for the character, you know? Yeah. Uh, Russell gets an axe swung into his face. Sandra is drowned by skinny dipping. Maddie is stabbed with a scythe uh, after she just repeatedly keeps hopping in and out of that fucking shed where Jason's at. It's like, bitch, run. Like, what are you doing? Uh, Ben has his head crushed. Kate has a party horn shoved in her eye. Uh, uh, David is stabbed in the stomach. Eddie is hacked in the neck. Robin is thrown from a window to the walls. (laughs) Uh, Amanda Shepard is impaled through the back. Uh, Dr. Cruz has a weed whacker to his stomach, Mm -hmm. um, and Melissa has an axe to the head. Uh, Quotes, uh, the narrator, and this was actually the act, the voice, the voice actor for this scene was the the actor who did, who was crazy Ralph. This was his very last thing he ever did in the movie before he passed away. Uh, There's a legend around here, a killer buried, but not dead, a curse on Crystal Lake, a death curse, Jason Voorhees curse. They say he died as a boy, but he keeps coming back. Few have seen him and lived. Some have even tried to stop him. No one can. <laughs> it's it's a pretty good legend for the character. I mean, it fits. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of plays into the story. I told you that technically Jason has never been alive in any of these movies. Yeah. Um, it's a little long, though, don't you think? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's the narration at the beginning of the movie. Okay. Okay, fine. Little TLDR. I'm just kidding. Uh, Sandra, while skinny dipping, you need a formal invitation. Russell, party for two, right this way, please. And then Russell's like, "When did you first fall in love with me?" And then Sandra, the first time I saw the enormous size of your beautiful wallet. 
keeping it real. Uh, David, what you know what I like about you, Robin? What, David? You hardly sweat at all. Man, that pothead David, he's he's a smooth talker, let yes. me tell you. Here's another one. After they have sex, uh, David, I'm hungry. And then Robin, how romantic. <laughs> Bitch, that's your fault. She knew what she was getting. Yeah. I mean, uh, Melissa, Eddie, Eddie, this isn't going to work out. And then Eddie's, what's the matter? And Melissa, I lied. And then Eddie's like, lied about what? And Melissa's about everything. You just don't turn me on, really. But come on, at least I gave you a chance. You just didn't come through. Anyway, I was kind of hoping Nick would come back and find you with me. And then Eddie, why'd you lie? And then Melissa, you know, make him jealous. And then Eddie, rejection. Okay, fine, I can take it. I've been rejected by some of the finest science fiction magazines in the continental I United am States. So glad <laughs> you included that quote because I was like, I actually rewound this to hear him again. Like, did he just really fucking say that? Uh, and then she asked him, it's like, where are you going, Eddie? And he's like, to take a cold shower. I got a date with soap on a rope. <laughs> I mean, she was just acting like a cold dead fish. So, buddy, you're probably going to have way more fun. Yeah, that's probably true. And then he's like reading through the, the Michael's birthday card later. And it's like, happy birthday, Michael, you lucky son of a bitch. Many happier turns love Melissa. And then he throws cards aside and he's like, cunt. <laughs> Uh, other taglines for this movie, her mind awoke Jason from the dead. Mm, I mean, yeah, it fits, but it, no. No. On Friday the 13th, Jason is back, but this time he's met his match. Yes. Jason is back, but this time someone's waiting. Mm, she wasn't waiting. She wasn't. Like she, no, she wasn't. Not at all. On Friday the 13th, Jason is back, but this time someone's waiting. Okay, again. <laughs> that's even worse. It's that's redundant. Worse. I know, that's just a longer version of the other one. All right, uh, Friday the 13th timeline, uh, 1980, Tina Shepard is born. Friday the 13th, 1990, Tommy Jarvis and Megan Garris uh, chain Jason Voorhees to the bottom of Crystal Lake. Okay, so she was oh, 10. Oh, man, she was, she was 10 when this happened. And let's just relish the fact that Tommy Jarvis was back. Yes. We had hot, you know, uh, Megan Garris as her, quote, kind of final girl. And one of the fucking best movies in the series, but we'll move on from that. <laughs> October 13th. Tina Shepard, who is 10, as you said, while staying with her parents, activates her latent psychic powers and kills her father at Crystal Lake. After this, the town renames Forest Green back to Crystal Lake, because remember in part six, they didn't call it that because they didn't want the curse to come back yeah. on them. Friday the 13th, uh, 1997. So this movie was made, let's go back again to the uh, to uh, 1988, I believe it was. Yes. 1988, the movie was made, but the actual movie itself takes place in 1997, if you can believe it or not. It's in the future. Okay. Uh, Tina, who is 17, returns to Crystal Lake with her mother and a psychologist as a way to help her overcome her guilt from her father's death. Tina, agitated by the scummy Dr. Cruz, manifests her power and accidentally frees Jason Voorhees. Saturday, June 14th, 1997, Jason kills nine people before Tina uses her power to resurrect her father's ghost. Who boy. And chain him back into the lake. Um, that's one way to put an end to Jason, I guess. Sunday, June 15th, 1997, Tina Shepard and Nick Rogers are the only survivors. A rescue team finds Jason's broken hockey mask. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, what did you think about the way that she killed Jason with her, somehow her dead father coming back and pulling him down into the water? That made no sense to me whatsoever. It didn't. I, now, 
for the movie purposes, I understand why they did it because it was very Jason Voorhees, like, hey, bitch, you know, like, obviously her dad's not down there anymore. So that's where it didn't make sense. But, I mean. You, you know what would have made more sense? And, and I thought this as soon as I saw uh, it was getting toward the end, and I don't know why they didn't do it. The rock was still down there. The chain was still down there. Use her psychic powers to snake the chain out, wrap oh, around his yeah. neck, pull him down. That would have made a lot more sense. They had to make it gruesome, though, and have her dad pop out, which is insane. Um, and it's also insane because multiple times in the movie, she's like, I miss him so much. But, like, she literally saw caught him beating her mom's ass. Yeah, yeah. And that's the reason that she has all this trauma that built up and her psychic powers came out anyway. Yeah. So um, it made sense for the movie. I wasn't, like, I wasn't mad at it. Um, I'm letting it pass on this one because it's very... I don't know, Jason Voorhees, to have a dead body jump out of the water and pull him down. He got a taste of his own medicine, you know? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm giving it anyways. Okay, visuals for this. Maybe we're getting the review here. Um, this is one of my favorite visual looks for Jason in the entire series. Yeah. Period. Yeah, um... The the gloves they use that makes it look like his hand there's like the, his the bones of his fingers are sticking out yeah the uh, way that they he's got that unde like that rib cage showing uh, when the mask is pulled off that zombie face that he has mm -hmm. is just perfect perfect look for Jason in this movie my favorite in the series actually I like it better in part six yeah no Jason there was there was nothing wrong with Jason I have zero complaints about Jason um this movie is it's Jason and only Jason. Uh, one other thing I like about the visuals uh, in the movie itself is that even though this is supposed to take place in June, which is stupid, the movie is clearly, I mean, it was clearly filmed in the fall, and it feels like a fall Halloween movie. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. It, it does. It, it was almost because I was wondering, like, what are these kids doing here? Are they just partying for a weekend? Like, But it's supposed to be, I guess, summer. Uh, it didn't feel that way at all. It's a fall movie. It really is. Yeah. Um, visually, though, too, certain things like, um, you know, like when she's throwing Jason around kind of when she's using her powers, it, I thought it looked good. I didn't think it looked cheesy. I didn't think it looked too cheap. The only thing that looks cheap is there's a couple times when she throws things at him uh -huh. that they take a little bit of time to start moving, and oh. it's like it's slow motion. Yeah. yeah or in the, It's not really slow motion, but it's so slow that it's kind of laughable when it hits, you know, Kane Hodder, and it, you see him, like, you know, react where he's, it's like, oh, man, all that force from that. Like, there's not, there's no force being, you know. Yeah. That's, the, but when she throws him around, looks fine. Yeah, you know? which is pretty funny because that's not an easy person to throw around. Uh, the story, oh, man, the story. Um, the, I mean, there, there's worse stories in this series. Don't get me wrong. This, this is just, are, this, this is plain Jane. Like, put put some people near a lake. Yeah. Find a reason for Jason to come back. Have him kill him. Have him thrown back in the in the lake. Bing bang boom, you're done. Oh, and throw some psychic stuff in there. You yeah, know? but I'm not. I was mad when I found out about the psychic stuff, but I. Also, I I also not mad. I was mad. I thought I was going to be mad, and I wasn't. It wasn't the worst thing that the could psychic thing. The psychic thing is actually cool. Yeah, like, I mean, and that's what a lot of people bring up that they like about this movie. Yeah. However, I could not forgive it for this, and and we we get bad acting in this series all the time. Yeah, bad acting I can deal with. 
flat characters that don't have personalities, boo. Fuck you, boo. Like, none of the characters in this movie, even Tina, like, Tina Tina's is the a, worst. She is a just a wet, like, rag or something in this movie. Like, nothing. Like, you get nothing from anybody in this movie other than Jason. Like, he is the only thing that's got any personality in the whole film. So I know maybe, maybe Terry Kaiser's character, Dr. Cruz. That's it. Yeah. That's all. Even the mom kind of suck. You're right. The characters were kind of just there. Uh, Kane Hodder had a, a, a fucking brilliant personality in this film. So, you know, it's kind of hard to compete with that. But I know you and I discussed, I, my husband and I could not get over how much Tina looked like, looks like our daughter, how much our daughter looks like Tina. Now our daughter's got that. Same face shape as Tina. I was getting ready to say the face shape is what really said. Because you yeah. showed the picture. I'm like, yes, She's her face, face shape, shape looks exactly like her. In that. When Tina was crying dead on looks like my daughter. The only major difference, they even have the same nose. The only major difference is my daughter has bigger lips than Tina and whatever. It is what it is. But even my daughter accidentally has the same hairstyle as Tina in this movie, <laughs> which is so fucking hilarious. But not only does... She, you look, you know, similar to Tina. My daughter has the same exact personality, which is so funny. My daughter has the person, she, a teenager right now, she has the personality of a wet rag unless something amazing happens. And this girl, once in a fucking full moon, will smile. Okay. So th- it, watching this, it was like I am watching my daughter on screen right now. She, Tina acted like the typical teenager. Yeah, teenage girl, which sucks because again, I'm gonna. I'm not saying that's great. I'm not gonna praise her for it at all. She she sold it to me because I literally live with a teenage daughter, so she was every bit the teenage daughter. But she boy, did she have the personality of a wet rag. It sucked. Uh, that's my biggest problem with this movie. Like I was watching it and I was having so much, and, and, and also going back to the visuals, the lack of blood and the lack of yeah. any kind of major gore, it really hurt this movie. It, it did. Really did. Yeah, it could have been so much better. There were so many good kills. You could even like looking at somebody who was murdered, no blood gushing out of them, no blood dripping down to where when the people catch them, you don't see blood coming out of their mouth or something. No blood on the trees. Yeah, there, there's nothing. Like, if that scene where he slammed uh, the, and I'm not even going to remember the name, don't care, slammed the one chick in the sleeping bag against the tree, which is the best kill probably in the series, honestly. Yeah. Uh, whenever he does that, uh, if to hear, even if they'd added a crunch or just something yeah. else to that, it would have been awesome. But nothing. No, we, we weren't given a lot. We were just, we were literally only given the visuals of Kane Hodder moving and... That was pretty much it. And knowing what had happened, and it just wasn't good enough. Yeah. The thing that bothers me about this is I remember liking this movie as a kid because, you know, obviously six being the one that I love, and then like seven, the very direct continuation of Zombie Jason. Yeah. It just let me down so bad because just I, I went into it i'm like okay round the movie out now like you know we've got jason we got kane hodder we got the zombie thing going on it, the cool fall look to it even though it's supposed to be set during the summer yeah uh you know we got the final girl who's a psychic awesome Let, let's do and then every character that came in the movie it's like who's that who's that random person a random person b I just, I, by the end of the movie, I'm like, I don't care anymore yeah. about these people. No, like, you I don't. don't. Care. Yeah. Uh, the only one I cared about was the mom. 
I kind of felt bad that, you know, she had to go. She Granted, she made a lot of dumb decisions. Yeah, she did. She had a way of bringing toxic men, not only in her life, but her daughter's life. Um, she had every good intention. She just was dumb, you know, which is sad. Um, everything else, I couldn't even ask anymore, who's this, who's this, who's this. It eventually turned into, who cares, who cares, who cares? Yeah, that's exactly what the problem is. And anybody who makes the argument that, you're there for the slasher and, and, you know, and just the people, you know, are populated just from the react to, I disagree with that statement. If you want a slasher to be memorable, you need, you, you need a, you know, like a Johnny Depp, you know, Glenn character. You yeah. need a, you know, you, uh, you need uh basic or, you know, like Friday, or, you know, um, trying to think Friday the 13th. When, when you get to the remake for this series, mm-hmm. uh, Jared Padalecki and then, you know, Danielle Panabaker, like perfect. Like they got a little bit of personality to them. You care just enough that if Jason gets around, it's like, oh shit, get out of the way. You know, yeah. when they're like they are in this movie, like the, I mean, yes, they're fodder for the, the machete, but I, you, you get to the point where they're just, you don't care anymore. Yeah. You really don't. Th- that's unfortunate. Uh, and the music, it's fine. It doesn't stand out to yeah. me. It's it's fine. It doesn't stand out good or bad. So that's good. That's a good thing because there was one where the first thing I put is the music fucking sucks. <laughs> I, I I think I've got in my mind which one that yeah. is. But we'll, we'll see. All right, trivia. Uh, during filming, Kane Hodder's dressing room was a quarter of a mile down a dirt road. What? One night filming, uh, one night uh, at the filming ended at 2 a.m., and while still in the Jason costume, he decided to walk through the woods on a path to his dressing room. As he was walking, someone approached him and asked if he was with the movie. He didn't reply because he thought it was a pretty stupid question to ask, and he just stood there in full Jason costume staring the person down. What the when fuck? The- <laughs> When the man asked again, Kane took a little lunge at him and grunted. The guy took off tripping and running. The next day, director John Carl Beekler told Kane that the local sheriff was supposed to stop by, but he never showed. What the fuck? That is awesome. <laughs> and I agree with Kane Hodder. What a dumb fucking question. If you Are you from the movie? <laughs> How? Oh, my God. You know what, though? <laughs> That'd be, that would be my son. Maybe he was special needs. <laughs> Maybe I, I don't know. Ooh, that's hilarious. No, no, because my son wouldn't have called the police. He would have came, <laughs> ran to me, and been like, "Mom, mom, there's a real Jason in the woods." And I'd be like, "Yeah, well, they're fucking filming down the street, so son, I, I'm gonna need you to calm down. And maybe if you're nice, we can, or if you're good, we can go meet the nice gentleman. He'll let you take a picture with him." And he won't choke you while he's taking the picture like he does everybody else. Not you, but maybe if mommy's a good girl, he'll choke mommy. No, kidding. <laughs> hey, if you really want choked, I'm telling you, Kane Hodder can choke. I know. <laughs> Maybe he thought you were into that. <laughs> I was not, let me tell you. Meeting C.J. Graham was a lot better experience because he didn't do that. He just C.J. Graham just held the machete very close to my juggler. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> You're like, oh. hey, I bet you, though, does that picture look good that you got with Kane Hodder? Does it look uh, real? No, because my face is red and literally. <laughs> I love and, it. And I had quite a bit more weight too, but like the way you can tell, I mean, like the, the, my neck is like two sizes smaller than like, you know, the rest it's, it's bad. Oh, I would, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to show that photo, but man, that's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) He makes you pay for the picture. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Noonan, who played Paula in Friday the 13th Part 4, or Part 6, Jason Lives, uh, read for the role of Tina when, uh, when she thought the, 
when she thought the title was Birthday Bash. Uh, she quickly realized that it was another Friday the 13th film and confessed that she'd starred in the last movie, so John Carl Bickler decided not to cast her. Oh, that's fucking lame. <laughs> she wanted to be in a, in, a, in a slasher movie called Birthday Bash and then finds out it's another Friday film. Uh, so. I mean, that's a film that we would definitely reveal here at Death Holler. Uh, in Kane Hodder's book, Unmasked, the true story of the world's most prolific cinematic killer, man, what a title. I know. Uh, he, he notes that one of his fondest memories of Part 7 shoot was the film's costume department, making his mother a custom Jason's mom uh, crew member's <gasps> jacket, which, which he found very amusing. He says mm. that she would wear it during the, the whole final two decades up until her passing. Aww. And he noted there would be over 90 degrees uh, Fahrenheit in, in his hometown of Sparks, Nevada, but she would still proudly wear it to the grocery store, hoping someone would say something about being, uh, you know, his her, about her famous son, basically. Um, so does he still live in Sparks? Because I love Sparks, Nevada. I would, um, yeah, I can, I can see myself moving there now. <laughs> Uh, director John Carl Beekler has publicly fumed many times over the years about the number of edits required by the MPAA to avoid an X rating. The film had to be submitted nine times to the Motion Picture Damn. Association of America before being granted an R rating, and it stands as arguably the most heavily censored in the series. Yeah, I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have rated this. We got away with so much back in the 80s. You're telling me this movie was rated R? Well, I mean, the, there was titties. Well, here's the thing, though. They had gotten, because of the outrage from people like uh, uh, Siskel and Ebert, you know, yeah. about how, you know, graphic these movies were. Friday the 13th in particular got targeted. Like, I feel like the, the MPAA had, like, just a target on their back, and they were like, what do you want to do in this movie? No, no, resubmit, resubmit. And they, 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 they cut these last few, it, it took until like the late nineties, early two thousands before they got over that shit and allowed the, the, you know, the gore to come back into these films. Yeah. And that is most unfortunate, honestly. Um, I like how uh, at the bottom it says <laughs> fans had to re had nicknamed the movie Friday the 13th, the no blood. Yeah. <laughs> that is No. And sadly, any hopes of a complete uncut version of the film being released are completely gone because it's been revealed that uh, the footage no longer exists as Paramount destroyed all the outtakes. Paramount, big mistake. Uh, if they had an uncut version of this movie, it would have probably shot up my list as one of my favorites, to yeah. be honest with you. It was I mean, a decent it, movie. It just, it lacked so much. Well, it, and the, the characters still would have heard it just because I, they should have put a little bit more into the characters. I mean, even if they, it didn't have to be a lot. They just need to have personalities and they didn't any of them. But yeah. Uh, John Carl Beekler was so impressed with Kane Hodder when he ate live worms on the set of prison, as I said, that he pushed for Paramount Pictures to let him cast Hodder in the role Jason. If it had not been for Beekler's persistence, they were for sure going to let C.J. Graham come back. Yeah, and it's not like that would have been a bad thing, you know? I mean, I do love Hodder's fucking version, but I I don't hate C.J. Graham's. No, I mean, he, he played, like, the methodical killer pretty well in yeah. Part 6. I mean... Um, the film was subtitled The New Blood with the intention of Tina becoming a protagonist who would reoccur in further sequels, although that uh, that idea was shelved. Okay. Uh, Laura Park Lincoln and Kevin Spiritas, as I said, did not get along while making this movie, despite playing love interest, so much so that Spiritus wrote his own script for uh, part seven, or part eight, actually, where uh, The New Blood was only a dream and his character had killed Tina. Yeah. <laughs> 
In all four films that Kane Hodder played Jason, parts 7, 8, 9, and 10, Hodder uh, does not blink whenever Jason's one good eye is visible on the screen. There's another thing he adds to it. Oh, yeah. I noticed uh, that. Uh, William Butler, who plays Michael, was also part of the makeup effects team, and he helped Kane Hodder with his prosthetic appliances. Because Kane would sweat in his latex makeup appliances, which would often be removed and later reused, Butler gave him the nickname Stinky Voorhees. Ew! <laughs> Uh, after ideas uh, for a Freddy vs. Jason film film materialized at the time, Paramount was still so high on the Jason versus blank marketing angle that they substituted Freddy Krueger for a Stephen King-inspired character, a telekinetic troubled teenager named Tina Shepard based on Carrie White. Uh, according to New Blood screenwriter Daryl Haney, this concept more or less came about due to a last-second idea thrown out during a story pitch. An actual crossover wouldn't have been possible as Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer owned the rights to King's novel Carrie. Also, Carrie died in the book and the movie version, so appearing in the film would make little no sense. But she does kind of appear out of the grave in that little stinger scene at the end of the original Carrie movie, so you can yeah. kind of play around with that. So... Even back at in 1988, they wanted Freddie and Jason to fight each other. I mean, it 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 just makes sense. It does. Yeah. Uh, Walt Gorney, uh, who played Crazy Ralph, came back <laughs> in the narration for the opening. There you go. Uh, Death Hall Awards. Tina Shepard. What do we think of her as a final girl? I mean, that looked just like my baby girl. So she's so far, she's been solid. She's not the best final girl of our of our reviews by any means. Um, she's, because she's definitely not the best in the series either. No, she's not. And you know what? It, the thing about it is, is that it's she's got to cheat. It's not fair. You can't have a well, cheat code. Yeah, but honestly, I mean, zombie Jason Voorhees. I mean, a regular final girl is not going to cut it either. That I is mean, true. That is true. But there are other people that did have to figure a way out. And granted, maybe they didn't permanently, but they got him to stop for a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, if she we'll wasn't going to do it, then she was going to fucking learn. <laughs> You're going to make him go down the, the sewers and get covered in toxic sludge so he can turn back into uh, somehow a non-mongoloid yeah. small child. A little what? tiny 10-pound, uh, 9-ounce, you know, baby Jason Voorhees. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what you're going to do. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, or you're going to be the uh, half uh, the half relative to Jason Voorhees and stab him with a Kandarian dagger. <sighs> what? Yeah, you gonna do it? <laughs> Y'all too. Uh, best kill: uh, either Dan punched directly through the back, or Judy in the sleeping bag. Oh, That's sleeping bag for me there. all the way. I don't even remember uh, being punched through the back. I'm I'm over it. I, I just I just I love the punch through the back because it just shows his strength. But yeah, sleeping bag kill. Anything and kiss. you know what's so funny about that is anything that well I guess picking up a, a whole ass girl in a fucking sleeping bag and swinging her like she ain't nothing and that it looked real. It didn't look like he just picked her up and she was absolutely nothing. It did look like she had some weight to her. Um, it, it did, and the fact that it just fits his character so well. Because mm -hmm. who does Jason kill? Campers or camp counselors? Yes. What is associated with camping? Sleeping bags. You know. You got the connection instantly. Yeah, uh, the sleeping bag kill was 100% mine. I mean, it's his quintessential kill, if you ask yeah. me. I mean, there's there's no better than that. Uh, best scream? I guess Sandra. I don't know. This movie don't really have... I mean, the characters' screams are about as, you know, lame as the characters are. Yeah. So. Uh, best boobs? Robin, because she's, like, one of the few people... Well, actually, she has some decent tits, like, to give her credit. Like, I mean, she's one of the few people in the movie that shows them, but, like, she... she 
she's got some she's got some decent ones. Is Robin the mean girl? No, Robin's the one girl that wanted to party with a pothead that, you know, and okay. then uh it turns out, you know, he just liked her because she didn't sweat. So mm. or whatever. Okay. Uh I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert for the next actual segment of this folks uh none of these girls are going to top brie in the remake just <laughs> oh there. yeah i i've already seen her titties so yeah she who man uh because those the char- are those are real titties these itty bitty titties just ain't doing it they're the real Anne. whenever she's up riding whatever his yes. name is uh todd or whatever it is uh they're the way that they the, the gravity pulls them down. I, I didn't, I'm just saying, I don't see the plasticity there yeah. if, they, if they were. So. Yeah, no, they, they definitely, they're, they're real. And uh, yeah. And you know, as we get older, gravity pulls them down even lower if you're into that. So, you know, <laughs> um, let's see best side character. I don't know, Michael, cause he's only in it for a few seconds and he's got the most acting cred of any of the other side characters. I am going to throw in my own and say it was the cat in the attic. Sure. Was that, was that this film? What? I don't even know. I, I don't even remember a cat in the attic, but sure. What, what do you want to give the name to this character? Hold on. Maybe it wasn't this movie, but I don't think, no, cause I don't think it, was, it wasn't in, I think it was this, this movie. There was a girl that w- made it up to the attic before she got thrown through a window. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It yeah. was a kitty cat. She was petting a kitty cat up there. Best side uh, character. Wh- what, what do you want to give the name to the cat? Marmalade. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Franklin Award. Uh, either uh, <laughs> Tina because she's just a wet blanket and annoying as fuck through most movie, but probably Dr. Cruz because fuck that guy. <laughs> um, Dr. Cruz. Because... Well, mm, I mean, he's pretty shitty. I mean, he really is. He is. Okay, hear me out. The mom. Uh, yeah. For she, whose stupidity. She, yeah, and, and, she, and she, you know, they say that you're, you know, like evil, all that evil has to do to really prosper is for good people to do nothing, and she does yeah. the absolute minimal of Oh, anything, yeah. So. She, she is all into She's like, you're not going to do that. Yes, I am. Okay. I mean... <laughs> Might as well. It's like reluctant porn, where like the porn actress is like, "No, no, okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, what are you doing? Okay." And that's she even, like when she goes in there and she's like, "What is this metal piece? Is that what Tina? No, that's not. Uh, you just oh, okay, ignore it." She's like, "Okay." And then she, yeah. you know, what's funny, even funnier. She watches three seconds of the doctor like he has videotapes of him i don't know verbally assaulting his that her daughter and she's literally she watches it for like two to three seconds he walks in and she's like oh my god you've been abusing my daughter into blah 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 and it's like bitch you did not catch that in three seconds <laughs> well that's the level of uh you know storytelling that they went for in this movie yeah so, so my my franklin award goes to the mom I'll, I'll agree with that. That's a good good point about her. Because uh, Dr. Cruz wouldn't have even had the opportunity yeah. if it wasn't for the mother uh, you oh, know, yeah. allowing it. And her stupid, well, I mean, her stupidity, but also vulnerability. She really made it that way, you know? How annoying is the Doom Prophet? Well, there, I don't know if there really is one, but we get crazy Ralph's voice back, yeah. so give it to him. Uh, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, dumbest moment, um, <laughs> Maddie sliding in and out of Jason's murder shed. Oh my God. Like the fourth time she did it. I'm like, bitch, get dead. I know. Now. And then hid against the wall. That is just literally this tiny 
rice paper of a wall between her and he could walk around the corner if he really wanted to and he could see your feet from underneath there. And guess what? That thin ass wall, you know, super zombie Jason, he punches through it just like you figured he would, you know. It, it was so predictable, but it was it was great because she needed to go, especially after the oh no, I lost my earring. Uh, yeah, and did she go back for like a shoe or something yeah. stupid, or something at one point? Like, yes, you 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 need Just, to be dead. Yeah, get gone. All right, folks, uh, let's move on to the next one here. Friday the Thirteenth, Part Eight: Jason Takes Manhattan mm-hmm. from nineteen eighty nine. Tagline, I love New York, where the heart symbol in the shape of a bloodied ice hockey mask. Oh, I like that. Uh, Directed by Rob Hedden, written by Rob Hedden, based on characters by Vic Miller, music by Fred Molin, budget of $5 million, only made 14.3, but it still made a profit. Yeah. Uh, Principal players, we have Jensen Daggett playing Rennie Wickham, uh, who is the final girl in the movie. What a name. Yeah. Uh, She was in Major League Back to the Minors. Uh, We have Ace who plays Toby the dog, who's a certified good boy. 100% certified good boy and survivor. And a survivor. Uh, Scott Reeves plays Sean Robertson, Rennie's boyfriend. He was in Days of Our Lives. That tends to be a common thing yeah. that like soap opera actors are in these movies. Not a uh, high schooler by any means. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, Kane Hodder plays Jason Voorhees again. He's the soggy zombie slasher and in this one. He's tired of being all wet, too. He, he is always wet in this movie like he it just it's dripping out of him constantly uh todd caldicott plays james J- jim miller who is Susie's boyfriend whoever the fuck Susie is uh well that's tiffany paulson who plays Susie <laughs> donaldson who's jim's girlfriend uh you can see a little bit of her titty through her shirt so she's got yeah. that going for her uh we have saffron henderson playing jj Jarrett, who's the rocker chick and the ex of wayne uh Charlene Martin plays Tamara Mason, who's the best fucking friend of Eva. Um, Fred Henderson plays Chief Engineer Jim Carlson. Uh, He was in Final Destination 2, by the way. Nice. Warren Munson plays Admiral Robertson. Uh, We have Kelly Hugh playing Eva Watanabe, uh, I guess. Uh, Watanabe, I guess is how you say it. Best fucking friend of Tamara uh, or Tamara. Uh, She was in the Scorpion King, though. Kelly Hugh it's pretty fucking hot in the Scorpion King She's if you've ever seen that. gorgeous. Okay, so she basically looks the same as she did in Scorpion King, Queen. That, okay, sorry, my bad. And she, But she has gray hair now. And she's one of those people that makes the gray hair look sexy, like gorgeous. Like she doesn't even look old. Her face is in perfect condition. And her gray hair, she, fuck her. <laughs> well, it's that Asian gene, you know. It they is. don't really they don't age quite the same. So God, Kelly Hugh. She was also in uh wasn't she in like X two or something in that Wolverine yeah. movie? Yes, yes. She was in X two. God. Uh Martin she and the funny thing is is she, as a teenager in this movie, she's not that not that pretty. Mm-mm. I mean uh, she's, she's she's not ugly, she's, but she's not she's hot. Not, yeah. Yeah, she's not hot, but she is hot in the scorpion. Mm-hmm. Martin Cummins plays Wayne Weber. Uh, I think he's the video nerd or whatever. Uh, Gordon Curry plays Miles Wolf, the best friend to Wayne, Sean, and Julius. Uh, Vincent Craig Dupree plays Julius Gaw, who's a boxing superstar on the rise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Barbara Bingham plays Colleen Van Dusen, who is the teacher who gets uh, Rennie to come on this trip, uh, even though she's afraid of water. 
and and it's a cruise, which is not a good combination. And Peter Mark Richmond plays Charles McCulloch, who is Rennie's uncle, and actually is one of the better relatives in any of these movies because he actually gives a fuck about his his niece. So good uh, on you, a sir. A little bit, but he has a weird way of showing it, though. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he really does. And in that scene where uh, Tamara tries to like, you know. Uh, uh, because he's a teacher too, she tries to get him to like give her a better grade by like she's try. Well, first she tries to seduce him, yeah. But then she has Wayne come in and film it, yeah. Man, that's that's a that's a creep, cringy scene to try. Yeah. To uh, she's got some uh, nice looking body in that scene. Though. I'll yes, give her that. better knockers than I've seen so far. Not the best, <laughs> but still way better. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Synopsis, one year after Carrie, I mean Tina, used her psychic powers to summon the ghost of her father, God, mm, <laughs> and trap Jason at the bottom of Crystal Lake, a couple of horny teens revive him by dropping anchor on their mini-yacht and tearing up an underwater power line. How's Why they run a power line through the fucking lake? I got no idea, folks. Uh, do you have any ideas why they would run a power line through the middle of a lake? Uh, why is there a yacht on the fucking lake? Wow, that's a good point, too. Anyways. Uh, Why is that lake connected to a river that connects to the ocean that allows them to go to New York? That's the main question you should be asking yourself. Now, okay, (laughs) now you're getting into semantics. Uh, Jason proceeds to climb aboard a cruise ship uh, after this, after he tears through these two teenagers, uh, with a group of high school teens and their chaperones and travel uh, on as they travel from New Jersey Lake to Manhattan by way of the ocean. I said that, folks. Uh, crazy Ralph is reborn in a crazy decade. Yep. A teenage musician is killed by the power of rock, uh, and an up-and-coming boxer gets his his block knocked off. <laughs> the The Big Apple's in big trouble, folks. <laughs> I like that. Is that what they said? That's one. Of, that's one of the uh, taglines for the movie. Yes. Body count: There is forty-two people killed in this movie. How? Not on screen, but okay. there are forty-two. Uh, Jim Miller is stabbed in the gut with a harpoon gun. Uh, Susie Donaldson is speared in the chest with a harpoon off of that gun, uh, while one of her titties is kind of showing, <laughs> by the way. J.J. Jarrett has her skull crushed with her own guitar. Man, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, boxing guy who was fighting against uh, Julius uh, early in the film gets his ass kicked, has a sauna rock shoved through his stomach while it's still sizzling. And so. it catches on fire. <laughs> <laughs> they, it has to be the most dramatic in the, the uh, death ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tamara Mason is stabbed with a mirror shard. More realistic. And I like how they kind of, I don't know if this was an accident, but Kane Hodder struggled, uh, Hodder, so he struggled a little bit to get the shards, or he was looking for the right one. Yeah. I loved and, it. And, but it makes the character feel really, yes. I mean, that's what he adds to the character. It makes it feel realistic. And yes. Like, he's there. You I know? loved it. Uh, Chief Engineer Jim Carlson is harpooned in the back. Admiral Robertson has his throat slit. The, the he, lamest throat slit in the history of ever. Uh, that's true. Yes, it's just when it's gone. Uh, Eva Watanabe is strangled to death. Is while that she's in the, at the, the dance area? The disco, the disco dance area. That's yes. the one where he picked her up, and I was like, she is maybe a hundred pound, hundred pounds, soaking wet. And you're struggling to lift her to choke her. So my my only reasoning for that was he's really trying to fucking lift her on his own. I he, think he nothing. did lift her on his own. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really do think he did. Because any Jason Voorhees before, even him in the previous movie, would have had no problem lifting her up. 
and throwing her like it was no one's business. That's true. And I mean, if he get, if he get punched through your back and out your spine, I mean, yes. you know, that's. So I I was I had a hard time with it at first, but then I kind of told myself, you know what, this is him. He's really that strong, and you know, hundred pounds with one arm is still pretty impressive. Uh, let's see. Ship crew member is accidentally shot by Wayne. <laughs> uh, Wayne Weber is electrocuted by a control board Ugh. as he goes down there to look for JJ. Loved and, it. And finds her. Uh, also, at this point, he has lost his glasses, and he's using the viewfinder on his fucking uh, camera to be able to see. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, Miles Wolf is impaled through the side by a weather vane. Mm-hmm. Or restaurant uh, students are drowned uh, by Jason. Or, or Jason. Uh, just, uh, well, the person who put the Dead Meat Wiki put or Jason, meaning he just randomly, he kills them how Jason kills them. Yeah. You know, slams them, whatever. 18 other students are presumably drowned or jasoned on the ship uh, before it sinks. Uh, and the funny thing about this movie is there's that movie that came out recently called Last Voyage of the Meter, which is basically about the the ship that traveled from uh, Transylvania up to, uh, you know, uh, London, England, and uh, the people who were on board when Dracula was there, and they just, ran, you know, one by one get killed by him. This plays like a version of that, honestly. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Uh, uh, there's the deckhand that gets an axe to the back. Uh, junkie number one gets a syringe through the back. Junkie number two has his head slammed into a pipe. This is the scene you were talking about where Jason actually saves the final girl from yes. being raped. So there's that. Uh, that's one thing. Jason, he, there's a, there's something honorable about him as a slasher because like, unlike Freddie, who's got, I mean, and really in Freddie versus Jason, he gets real skeezy with the sex stuff. Uh, but like, uh, Jason, on the other hand, like, I mean, he, he hates sex in all of its forms, especially when you're trying to rape somebody. But, um, we have Julius Gaw, which is probably one of the best kills in the series too. Gets yes. his head just decapitated with one punch. After he tired himself out by trying to punch the fuck out of Jason. And, and he's, he's obviously training to become a boxer. So apparently the first thing he didn't learn was, Hey, you got to be careful. You're ty- you'll tire yourself out, and he, that's exactly what he did. Uh, a lot of people also pointed out that he literally had Jason next to the edge of the, yes. the you know, the building. He could have like tried to push him if nothing else. I was thinking it that pr- too. It probably wouldn't work. Jason would have probably grabbed him and slung him off. But I mean, that's better than getting your head punched off. Just saying, which is what happened. He got his head punched off. But you know what I expected, and it didn't happen. I thought Jason was just gonna gently just push him over. And he just fell to his fucking death. Like, all that work. And all Jason was like, eh, fuck it. No, but it's Kane Hodder. And Kane Hodder's like, all right, my turn. Yeah. Bam! And he did exactly, the the kid asked for it. He's like, hey, give me your best shot. And he literally (laughs) gave it. And I don't even know that that was his best shot. I think that was, like, you know, pretty mid. I think he held back. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Um, Yeah, and that head went flying, dude. That was awesome. Uh, police officer is killed off screen in alleyway. Colleen Van Dusen's blown up in a car after Rennie tries to run into ghost child Jason and yes. crashes all of them. Uh, Charles McCulloch is drowned, melted in toxic waste barrel. That's pretty gnarly whenever it happens. Yeah. Uh, a waiter is, uh, chucked into a mirror and then a sanitation engineer is bashed in the head with a wrench. That was pretty funny. In the sewers. Uh, other taglines: The city that has seen it all ain't seen nothing yet. Okay, I, I can, I can, I can go with that a little bit. The biggest city in the world is about to be scared down the size. Mm, no, life in the city is murder. 
that could apply to anything <laughs> in New yeah. York, honestly. And then finally, New York has a new problem. I do like that one because New York has, it's <laughs> as if they didn't have enough going on and now you've got Jason Voorhees. Yeah. I, my favorite scene in any of these movies, I'm just going to throw it out there. And I said it to you in a TikTok, I believe, is where he's literally walking down the, the street in down in Times Square, I think it was. Yeah. And you got these kids sitting there listening to a boombox. And he just, and it in perfect Kane Hodder tradition, because he brings that about the character he just up and kicks yeah. that fucking thing and sends it flying just out of nowhere he doesn't care about the kids yeah he's just tired of their fucking music playing which is hilarious because it's like like jason Voorhees is the epitome of a grumpy old man but a violent grumpy old man <laughs> like i done is, told you to turn this music off and then he kicks it if there's anybody who could be considered a grumpy old boomer slasher, yeah. it would be Jason. It'd be Jason. And then, like, when he pushes that girl hell hard, first off, like, that, he did that, he did that for real. He did that for real. You know he did. That was not her, like, rolling on. He, I think he accidentally pushed her harder, not knowing his strength. She fucking whammed, and then she turned over. She whammed so hard, she re, she had a delayed reaction. She was like, uh, uh. Ah, you know, like <laughs> shit, I wouldn't have known what to do either. I'd have been like, "Am I fucking like?" I didn't need to check because I think my soul left my body. <laughs> I think I just died right now. Yeah, and like, okay, I'm alive. I can breathe. <gasps> ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie, fo- folks, is fun. I mean, it's yeah. not it's not high cinema by any means, but it's fun. Uh, Quotes, this is a perfect example of it. As he's boxing Jason, Julius, go ahead. Take your best shot, motherfucker. Jason punches his head off. Yeah. (laughs) Consent. It's important. Uh, And Rennie, look, you don't understand. There is a maniac trying to kill us. The New York waitress. Welcome to New York. (laughs) You know, say what you will about California, especially Los Angeles. That's not... That's that that wouldn't happen out here. When I mean, there's murder happening. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like ah, and they're just like oh yeah, that's just another day in Los Angeles, you know. Yeah, if it was in San Francisco, it'd be like, hey, I just stepped in uh, three piles of human shit out there. And yeah, it's like, like welcome, welcome to, to San, San Francisco. Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Friday the Thirteenth timeline, nineteen eighty. Rennie Wickham was born. She's born the same year as Tina Shepard. Just okay. so you know. 1997, Tina Shepard frees Jason and then chains him back to the bottom of Crystal Lake again after a bunch of folks die. Yeah. May of 1998, two teenagers, <laughs> Jim and Susie, bring Jason back to life with, uh, in quotation marks, I mean, you know, whatever life is for an undead monster, with her boat and are consequently murdered. The next day, Jason rampages through a cruise ship headed for New York, killing most of the staff and high school seniors aboard. And then finally that night, the ship arrives in New York and Jason kills a bunch more people before getting exposed to toxic sewer sludge, reverting him back to his childlike form, and he seemingly dies. And the good boy doggy lives. <laughs> yes. And A says Toby, the dog, lives. Yes, and he was smart because Toby got the fuck out of there. He knows how to GTFO. And he's been, the funny thing about Toby is he's gone for the entire movie and then right at the end he comes back, he's like, He's dead now. I'm, yeah. I'm here. So. Yeah, because Toby's smart. <laughs> Toby knows what's up. Uh, first of all, I mean, I'm going to skip ahead to the story. We'll get to the visuals in a second. Okay. I have no idea what they were trying to do throughout this movie with uh, the child, the, the ghost of child Jason appearing to Rennie and like trying to 
communicate with her, trying to warn her. I don't know what the ghost was trying to do, but I, and then the thing that kills me about it is that if they'd had the ghost be the mongoloid Jason, which mm-hmm. is what everybody remembers him as, okay, a little weird that, you know, his, but I could buy like his, the spirit of the child is like trying to, you know, is, is, is feeling bad about the murders that the, you know, undead grown body is committing. So it's trying to prevent them somehow. Okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's a cool concept. Uh, but he appears as a normal child through most of these scenes. Like what the fuck were they doing with that? So in the worst way ever, they tried to imply that Rennie has this somewhat of a psychological problem because, you know, she almost drowned when she was younger and, and she saw him. She she almost drowned uh, as a child, mm-hmm. uh, probably around she was when she was 10. Yeah. Let's just throw it in there because it doesn't really say. Uh, and somehow, even though Jason Voorhees was a you know, big bodied killer yep. during this, this time, his ghost in the, the, the lake is what tried to drown her. Yeah. So what you have to try to, you, at this point it's choose your own adventure. Did she know the stories and she imagined that's why she was drowning and she saw Jason Voorhees because as it continues the rest of her life, this, she just keeps seeing it. So I'm at, at the, by the end of the movie, I'm like, is she just fucking imagine this because she just sees this kid i feel like it's her own brain imagining that that's what she's seeing that could be the case because it's the only logical thing i could think of it doesn't make any sense that the kid version of jason's out there specifically only appearing to her like it's my dumb explanation to explain the stupid away okay Now, moving back from that, uh, at uh, one step, the plot hole of somehow Crystal Lake, a lake that is <laughs> landlocked, uh, being connected to a river that's also connected to the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean that can connect to New York, is pretty fucking stupid. Is it? You don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hold on. I'm looking up Crystal Lake right now. <laughs> uh, okay. So, getting back from the story, which we will agree is just, it's ridiculous. It really all is. we know about this story is that, and all we're allowed to care about is the fact that we need to get Jason Voorhees into New York City. Yes, that is all that matters yes. in this whole story. Don't ask any other questions. You'll be thoroughly disappointed. Visually. Yes. The, they, they did better with the kills. Oh, so much better kills in this one. <laughs> they had some dumb ones, but they were mostly good. Uh, I cared about the characters. This kind of skips in the acting a little bit, but they gave the characters enough personality that I could distinguish them. You had the mean girl. Mm-hmm. She, she stood out. Uh, JJ with uh, dreams of being a rocker chick. Yeah. I mean, a, a very eighties rocker. Chick, yes. By the way, uh, Wade with his like creepy, like I'm going to be a film student, but I'm also going to be a perv and like film everything type, you know, thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the boyfriend who's kind of like the son of the admiral, he's the least defined. He's he would have fit in the last movie, honestly. He really would have. Yeah, I mean, I um, understood his story. Like there everyone wants him to be this thing and he like reluctantly he doesn't really want to, but it's like he has to be, you know, and then he's called into action and it's like he he really did have it in him, you know? Yeah, but he does have a personality that's yeah. still better than the last <laughs> movie. Uh Uncle Charles, y'all. Um Ugh. He's going to be strong. He's going to, you know, uh, he, he's got a personality, uh, yeah. you know, um, when you don't I, care about, but you do, you're like, okay, <laughs> it adds to the story. 
uh, even the deckhand that's basically crazy Ralph Jr. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, you know, that, I like the fact that they gave, I mean, even if they were just the, the most simple, like little, like narrative, like little things from the work with, uh, even Kelly Hughes character. I mean, she's yeah. just kind of the, the hot, you know, not as hot as she would be, but a hot Asian chick that's on the boat. You Everything know, kind of tied together. Everything was cohesive. They all worked together. Uh, it wasn't the best acting, but it also wasn't the worst acting. Yeah, it it I can enjoy this movie. I'll just say it more than the last, just because they actually made the characters, you know, have personalities. Yes. And going back to the visuals, the kills were good. Jason looks amazing in this movie, yeah. although they don't remove his mask except for the end, and that that's a weird look that he has at the end of the movie. Yeah. Where it's like he's he's like dusty zombie at that point. I don't understand that at all. Since Especially he's after he's been in the water. Yeah. But um, the body and uh, how the, like the, the just the liquid oozes out of him, yeah. it, it's perfect. It yeah. really is for the movie. Yeah, in terms of the you know character, I guess this is going to go into the acting. I talked about acting a little bit, but really when we talk about the characters and like, yeah, you did kind of care about them. I'll be honest with you, the one I cared about the most was definitely the dog. So you know, I just want to throw that out there, <laughs> Toby. But they put, but they put Toby in the movie, so they gave you something to mm-hmm. root for. Yeah, as opposed to a random cat that just appears in an attic and disappears. Yeah, you know what? But he's still Jason. Still, look at the animals are there to show that Jason will not harm the animals. I am convinced of it. <laughs> uh also visually this movie has a lot of night scenes and they do a pretty good job yeah especially the new york you know alley scenes and things like that yeah they did a great job um music fuck this music this you you probably hate this music i liked it because it's man it hits the 80s nostalgia big time it does it really does i will not take that away but like oh my god it was so cringy at the beginning. I was like, this is fucking terrible. And if you listen, I mean, if you don't hate 80s music and you listen to that song that JJ is like, you know, her song in the movie, it's actually not, it's got a kind of a good beat to it. Okay, hers is better definitely than what was playing at the beginning of the film. (laughs) What about the one that's playing at the end of the film? The one about like, you know, something, uh, and I think this is what I told you to end the show on that something in the the heart or whatever. It's like it's it's a very eighties sounding like pop ballad or something. It's, um. Well, okay. So I don't remember it, and that might be a good thing because obviously I remembered the bad stuff. <laughs> so if I I didn't notice it, I don't know if I need to watch it again. I I might have. As soon as it ended, you, I, I you know what? I'll be honest with you. I probably rolled right into the next film because I was literally watching these at work. Um, yeah, why, why don't you go ahead and give us your uh, thoughts on this? Because you were very, you had some very opi- uh, opinionated uh, thoughts on this. I just said, look, I don't know who I need to contact, but I think I'm owed some kind of reimbursement compensation for having to watch this film. And now that we're talking about it, I'm realizing, okay, well, I didn't hate it that bad. Clearly, I loved Toby so much. Um, but it's... It's okay. Now that I'm looking at it at a different way of it's a it's a a little bit of a comedy. It's got some comedy in it. It's a it lot better quite to a me. Bit. Yeah. yeah. It's actually a lot better. I really didn't like the uncle. He got on my nerves and I know that was his job. He did his job. Uh the the girl the 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 survivor, the fucking final girl. I'm, I almost don't know that she deserved to survive. 
Well, also the fact that she did, unlike for the final girl to be a final girl, she technically has to take the power back in her own hands. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about this, uh, you know, like Tina obviously could because it's Carrie, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, you didn't really have that option with Rennie because she's just a regular girl. Um, and she happens because of the MacGuffin of the, you know, or the, the plot point of like somehow the toxic sludge destroys Jason's body and reverts him back to a living child yeah. or whatever the fuck happened. Uh, she kind of just lucked into surviving. Yeah. And I, so yeah, I just remember look at, at the end now, had we not found Toby at the end, and I know I keep bringing up Toby, but had we not found Toby at the end and he was sitting there, I would have been seriously pissed off because I saw sweet, tiny baby Jason, and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was like, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. How are we supposed to move forward with this? Is she imagining this? Is this is he still alive? Like, are we going to see him in the streets of fucking New York again like we did in one scene? It didn't make sense to me, and I was just kind of happy to move away from it. I was like, okay, next, you know? So, I don't know. There was... Uh, the kills were better than the previous one. I look at the only reason I also like the previous one is because like that little girl looked like my daughter and acted like my daughter. And I was like, oh, I get to see my child in a film, you know? Uh, it's just funny uh, to me because this by most fans is the most, well, until Jason goes to hell was one of the, was the most hated yeah. of the, of the Friday films because it, it is weak. It really is like plot and all that. But like, if you come back, like I've changed on this movie cause I used to hate it quite a bit. And I mean, I, you know, I, there were certain scenes in it, like Jason kicking over the yeah. you know, boom box and all that. I always loved, but then like him punching the, you know, Julius's head straight off, you know, of course. But yeah. like, I was just like, yeah, yeah, this is pretty lame. I, but like going back and rewatch it, especially after seven, like I appreciate the the little bits they interjected in this movie that made it enjoyable. Yeah, I have definitely a little bit more. And now that we've been discussing it, I definitely appreciate it a little bit more. I don't know that I would like go out of my way to watch this. Um, a lot, a lot I, of the Jason films are on rewatch just because they're Jason films. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think I would. I mean, now just because yeah. I kind of, you know, I see the fun in it. I yeah. mean, as long as the, and that, a lot of these movies, I've I've changed my mind on because I'm just gonna throw this out there. This spoiler for Freddy versus Jason. I was very disappointed in that movie when it first came out in theaters because what I wanted in the movie is not what they gave me in the movie. I wanted just nonstop fighting the entire way through that. Yes. <clears throat> what they gave me was a bunch of human people, humans, you know, uh, spectators who were kind of caught in the middle. And I was like, fuck these people. I don't care about any of them, but what rewatching it, yeah. I actually, I actually gave a shit about a lot of them. So yeah, I under, I did not like them either. I kind of, you know, I know we'll get into it here very soon, but, uh, I, yes, I would have appreciated more fighting, but I also understand why they did it. I kind of like the buildup. My husband said something very interesting. We'll elaborate it on it when we're doing Freddy versus Jason. But he's like, Freddy versus Jason is a Freddy movie. And I was like, what? And he it, goes, it is. Yes. And he goes, it's a Freddy movie, just so you know. It's, and I was like, well, we're still reviewing it during this, so I don't, you know. And he's like, no, no, no. And he's like, I'm just letting you know it's a Freddy movie. And I was like, okay. Thanks for your a, input. It's a Freddy movie where Jason gets all the kills. Yes. And I was loving it, so. All right. A trivia for Jason Takes Manhattan. First up, uh, Kane Hodder says that one of the most fun parts of his tenure as Jason were the scenes in Times Square. 
He says that the spectators were lined up and down the block watching the filming, and he didn't want to take off the mask to destroy their illusion of Jason. He said every once in a while he'd turn his head and look at them and and watch them all go crazy. I would fucking die. <laughs> I would. Die. I mean, I know you got to meet him. And was he dressed as Jason when, or was he just Kane Hodder when you met him? He he's just Kane Hodder usually, mm-hmm. and he's dressed all in black. That's what he usually okay. does, which so. is fine. Um, but oh my god, like that would be. So my dream of meeting Jason Voorhees or any of the actors portraying Jason Voorhees is, hi, Mr. Voorhees, I'm your biggest fan. Shaking his hand, he's super nice. He looks like a fucking zombie Jason. That's my dream. Uh, Kane Hodder or any Jason Voorhees actor turning and giving me a menacing look, amazing. I I would fall over and pass out. It's they're just completely different in how they interact too because yeah. uh, him and CJ Graham were both at Scarefest at the same time and uh-huh. like CJ Graham was like uh, like really nice you know whenever you you know signing the stuff and all mm-hmm. not to say that Kane Hodder wasn't but like CJ was like really and then like when he got up there that you know the machete to the throat yeah uh, and then like Kane Hodder is you know kind of like he's. <sighs> He's kind of got that air about him, like, yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, like, I get this all the time type stuff. Oh. Uh, not in a rude way, but oh, yeah. it's, you know, but, and, uh, but then whenever he gets up there, then it's just like, okay, you're going to get choked. And it's like, all right. You don't get you know, what you asked for. Yeah. <laughs> so. Do you, do, do you know, and I don't know if you've mentioned this before, we've talked about so many Friday the 13th movies, and you said, well, it's not CJ that replaced, it's Kane that replaced CJ. So do those two get along pretty well? <sighs> See, I don't, I don't know if they do or not, because, like, I, I feel like in some of this trivia it said that, um, well, maybe it was uh, Kurzinger that replaced uh, yeah. Jason, or, I mean, Kane, Kane. as Jason in the in the, you know, Freddy versus Jason, I feel like they get along, but him and CJ, they were at completely different spots at yeah. Scarefest. So I don't know if that was intentionally done, you know. <laughs> Hold on. Google's answering. Uh, apparently they've done in costume photos together. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. You you would like to think that they, I mean, it's been long enough that even if they had beefs, that they would be over them by now. I would hope so. Like, come on, do it for the children. They're they're grown-ass adults. I mean, they should be, you know, I would think that Kane, because it it sounded almost as if Kane, they went with, you know, with Ken, uh, with CJ, they kind of just, I don't know what kind of warning there was or wasn't. Maybe we'll get into that in the other movies when Kane is replaced. Yeah, I think I think it's in the trivia for okay, that movie. Okay, perfect. So. Let's we'll we'll move from there then. Uh, Rob Hedden originally wrote more of the movie to be set in New York. He had written scenes at Madison Square Garden, the Brooklyn Bridge, the Statue of Liberty, and Empire State Building, but Paramount told him that the budget would not allow him to spend that much time in New York, so he was forced to rewrite the film and spend um, more time on the cruise ship. Uh, he mm-hmm. agrees with the fans who complain that there's not enough time spent in New York given the title. I agree with that. I. You know, like, when I'm watching a slow burn, I'm like, okay, when is the action going to happen? Well, there was a ton of action on the ship, so that's the only thing that saved it. But I was like, fuck, when are they getting to New York already? It's in the title. What are they doing Yeah. this? Um, real quick, though, Reverend, uh, it, I think, did you, you skipped over one where fucking Kane Hodder was dancing? Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> let me go back to that one. Because <laughs> I saw that. I was like, what the fuck? 
Despite the nature of the film and adverse filming conditions, Kane Hodder provided several moments of levity, which were appreciated by the <laughs> cast following several death scenes. For example, uh, once uh, Rob Hedden, the director, called cut, Hodder would uh, do a brief disco dance in full Jason costume makeup, making the cast laugh. That'd be fucking awesome. But do you think on a movie, like, they absolutely need that? Like, I mean, I guess you do have to have some kind of comic relief, but it wasn't that tense. Everybody knows what's going on. I don't know about that. I mean, because I mean, you would think that, but some of the female actresses okay. I have heard and, you know, like, I mean, because listening to behind the scenes commentary, uh, they said that, uh, you know, Kane Hodder is so intense when he's filming as Jason that they get legitimately in the moment they get scared of him. So I think he did that to kind of like, you know, pull him back out and say, okay, okay it's fine now, you know. Yeah, guys, it's just me, just Kane, good old <laughs> Kaney boy. You know what I want? I demand and the people deserve a fucking deleted scenes reel of Kane Hodder doing his disco dancing to Dancing Queen by ABBA. <laughs> we deserve it. We've earned it. He is very intense. And I'm going to say right now, it shows in future Jason movies how intense Kane was. Yeah, and they said that it would start like a few minutes before they were getting ready to call, you know, action. Like, like he would suddenly stop joking with them and suddenly, you know, just, you know, put on the persona and then get into it from there. Get on him. Uh, during production, many of the cast and crew began calling the movie Jason Takes Vancouver <laughs> because that's what they, the city they used to double for New York in most of the scenes for budgetary reasons. Oh, well, big shocker. <laughs> Uh, except for two days of filming in Times Square, all of the scenes in the docks, sewer, alleys, and the diner were all filmed in Vancouver. Okay, so we've talked about how they love filming in Canada because it's so much cheaper. But is this, like, in the past? Is that a thing now? Because I'm hearing, and I know California is expensive as fuck. Trust me, I live here. But I'm hearing from a lot of fucking people how expensive expensive it is now to live in the bigger cities in Canada they're barely making it and not only that I mean I'm not trying to get political here but so there's they got universal health care out there and they is a lot of people who have moved from America to Canada said the one thing they absolutely will never get over and feel like they don't financially ever recover from is there's so much taxes taken out that it makes the cost of living hard to do and the cost of living has gone up so I'm wondering mm -hmm. how cheap it actually is now to film in Canada. Is it still that way? I feel like the actors might have to pay more or you might have to pay more for your characters, whatever, your whole crew to have even temporary housing out there. I don't know about the housing, but the tax cuts are what keeps them coming back because okay. Canada still offers like extreme tax cuts. To that get people to... makes sense. Okay. Uh, and... They they do utilize Atlanta more now and Georgia in general for like filming too because of California being so expensive. So they've moved some of it. I mean, in, at least in America to Georgia. But if they need anything that's like you know got a bigger city that you know and all that, they they always go to Canada because tax cuts. Okay, I am so glad we had that discussion because I really was like, what the fuck? Like, you hear about it all the time, and I'm like, but people are saying it's not cheap out there. So okay. <laughs> Uh, Laura Park Lincoln originally wanted to sign on to reprise her role as Tina in part eight, but she wanted a higher salary than she was paid in part seven. Uh, Paramount told her that their budget could not afford to pay her any more than what she uh, bargained for, and because of this, she turned down the part. 
Thus, Paramount decided to rewrite the entire script for Part A to take the movie to a whole new direction, which later completely excluded the character of Tina's. They decided they did not want anyone for Part 7 to return. Um, um, being how much I love Tina, I loved Tina. Again, still not uh, an amazing... Well, she is amazing, but it's her, she's a cheat code. But I like Tina, but did we... Refresh my memory. Did we have people return in the next one? Not really, but it was always like payment issues. They didn't want to pay them more. And I think that kind of worked out. I think they originally were going to Mm -hmm. do a direct continuation of part seven, but then because of her requesting more, they were like, no. And since she was the main lead, they were going to hinge it upon because they were, they wanted some, they wanted somebody to replace Tommy Jarvis. Um, and since she wasn't the one, you know, uh, since she wanted too much, they were like, okay, scrap that. We're going a completely different direction, basically. Do you think they would have paid Tommy Jarvis more if he was showing up in this? <sighs> it depend on if they would have asked if he would have came back. Um, actually, he was supposed to be in part nine, and we'll get to that. Okay. Jason goes to hell. Okay. Uh, and... Two things. Uh, I started in between. I mean, this is behind the scenes stuff for this. We we this is you know a taking BTS. place uh, taking place a little bit separate from the first part of the recording. Uh, I did start watching uh, Roseblood, which is the fan film that's supposed to take place after Part Seven. You mm-hmm. know, uh, they have some interesting concepts that, okay. uh, it, of course, it being a fan film, terrible acting. You know, people basically people sitting around the room talking to each other. But the one thing that I think that they did that, that was interesting is they have, uh, and and I know now why Laura Park Lincoln and Terry and the and and uh, the guy who plays Doctor Cruz uh, are both in the movie because like he's like in her mind at the beginning of it, she's talking to him and you know he's trying to convince her it's like her own figment of her imagination. She, and he's like, why why should I not be here, Tina? tell me you know like it's like and, and they're right back to the same characters and she's like because you died and he's like and he's like but then why am i still here so that's the reason he's back because he's like a manifestation mm, okay. but, then it, but then, it, then it kicks back and they got the timeline wrong so they didn't they didn't go along with the official timeline for friday the 13th they said it in 1989 the the flashback uh even though it's supposed to be taking place in 1997 the original movie so the you know or, or whatever but what they did in the Roseblood, uh, they basically set up, uh, they take from Jason X in the sense that there's a uh, Crystal Lake underground facility that they're like doing research and stuff in. And um, that the government is because they're trying to study Jason. And they have captured Lar Park Lincoln's character, Tina, and they're keeping her there to study her powers and see if she can actually manifest Jason, you know, bring him back. Because they want, basically, they want her to use her, like, in, in, like, for a battlefield type situation where they can go to any country in the world, have Tina summon Jason there with her powers, and, you know, unleash him on the, the enemies, basically. Why are people so fucked to Tina? Like, oh, she's got those powers. Let's fucking manipulate her. Yeah. Jesus. And I think I think that's a cool concept if they would have went with that as a sequel. And, and it ties in the research facility that's in Jason X and one of the researchers that helps develop the uh, some kind of chemical that furthers her psychic ability is none other than Creighton Duke, who is from Jason Goes to Hell. So they tie okay. in like three or four Jesus. different movies. 
Holy crap. <laughs> By the way, Larpar Lincoln, a.k.a. Lori, we know, um, she does not. I mean, you're not going to look like you did when you were fucking way younger. I get it. But she does she not look like look, her. Her eyes look like an alien's eyes now okay. because of the way that they are. Yes, but she looks almost porn starish. Yeah, yeah. Um, she maybe she had some work done. What uh, she but, doesn't look well, terrible, but yeah, she's she's in it on the bookends of the movie, like the actual actress. Like they get some other actress to play the younger version of Tina. Okay, you know, yeah. Um. Also, something that I that I looked up on the official timeline just to make sure I wasn't crazy and that the and the fan film you know was getting this wrong, which they were. Um, Rennie from this movie, when she had her experience on the water, she was thirteen years old. So three years after Tina killed her father, you know, yeah. uh, on Crystal Lake, that's when Rennie went swimming. And and the reason given to the the Friday the 13th wiki that she saw Jason is that the actual Jason that was tied at the bottom of the, you know, the, uh, that from Tommy Jarvis, you know, where uh-huh. he attached him to the stone actually attacked her. But because of some kind of empathetic ability that Rennie has, she saw the inner Jason instead of the, the monster that he actually was. Okay. I mean, that, her. that would make sense. Yeah. Cause we were like, what the <laughs> fuck is up with this kid? Uh, I thought she was just so scared she was imagined. Like me, I could be in a lake that is not even a lake. I could be in a river or a lake that's that's very like, I don't know, maybe, oh, three feet deep. And I will imagine a shark is about to attack me. So, you know, <laughs> irrational fears. It, they fucking fuck with you. And and it makes sense, but like I mean, I, I like that description a little bit. It's it, like she was actually over the exact area by circumstance that Jason yeah. was attached. He kind of perked up for a second, tried to drag her down. She freaked out, but instead of seeing like him, she saw like the real him, the little boy that's still trapped in there. Okay, or whatever. So she's thirteen years old. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but she did not look thirteen. She looked like a kid, kid. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it they they it was way. It, that's the reason I thought that she was going to. It was it occurred maybe the same summer that Tina, you know, did what she did or something because they would have been about the same age, you know, like little kids, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you look, and I know not everyone was. I mean, we had thirteen, fifteen year olds in the previous camp movie we watched. I forgot which one it was, uh, where she had a dong at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> Sleepaway camp. Sleepaway camp. There you go. But, you know, they, they actually, they had teenagers in there. This girl, she looked like a little girl. She looked and acted like, she was like, I'm going to take classes, I promise, you know. And it's like, all righty. Um, it doesn't really matter because the, I mean, unlike the, you know, the Chucky movies where they're written by the same guy, Don Mancini, and he tries to keep the lore intact. And that's one of the good things about that series. They had so many, you know, chefs in the kitchen with this series that the lore is fucked beyond belief. So it doesn't really matter in the long run. (laughs) Uh, after this point box office gross, the Friday the 13th part seven, uh, director John Carl Beekler began developing a follow-up, which reprised the character of Tina Shepard again facing off against Jason after her release from an insane asylum. Meanwhile, Laura Park Lincoln, who had portrayed Tina, co-wrote with her husband, who was a diehard horror movie fan, an alternative screenplay which had Tina working as a psychologist for troubled girls. Uh, Lincoln's co-star in the New Blood, Kevin Spiritos, as we said last time, also wrote a screenplay which recast <laughs> the events of New Blood so that basically... 
uh, his character was a killer and he took Tina out because he hated her so bad. Um, Paramount, however, opted to sign the project of a follow-up to writer-director Rob Hedden, mar- marking his debut feature. So there was three different screenplays proposed by the you know the director and the two stars from the previous movie. The two stars, man, what a fucking bicker. <laughs> I mean, but hers, hold on, she wrote with her husband. Yeah, but at least she, she, she didn't, well... She didn't directly attack me. Yeah, she so, did. I mean, He's it, attacking it was, her. It was just that she was removed from him, and now she was trying to yeah. help other troubled girls. You know what I would have done is I would have taken both of their scripts. Like, Nick, I like your idea. Tina, I like your idea. Um, Nick, you're crazy, and you imagined that you killed Tina, so now you are in the asylum, and Tina is now your psychologist. <laughs> Put this shirt on. Think, if, if Kevin came back, I don't think he would appreciate the fact that he would have had to work directly with her again. But. Hey, you know what? Do you want to get paid or not? Uh, also, both of you, get inside this T-shirt. This is your get-along shirt right now. Uh, you have to wear it between sets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the film grossed only $14 million with a budget of $5 million. At the time, it was the lowest-grossing film in the series, which is what led Paramount selling the series off the new line. I mean... Sucks to suck, Paramount. Yeah, I I think that Paramount would have been if they would have tried if they would have held off and and this is advice to Disney on all of your big properties, Star Wars, you know, Marvel and all that. Yeah, if you're doing really bad because your scripts are sucking, uh, have a cooling period, mm-hmm. put the property on ice, let the fans start craving it again, and bring it back a few years later, and you'll be fine. Don't don't sell it off, you know. Yeah. Um, after Rob Hedden's work on Friday the 13th, the series, uh, impressed executive producer, uh, Frank Mancuso Jr. Mancuso offered Hedden the director's chair for this film. He accepted on one condition that Jason could be taken out of Crystal Lake. Uh, according to Hedden, it was Mancuso's idea to send Jason to New York. Unfortunately, Hedden's script was drastically rewritten to take place mostly en route to New York uh, due to the budget, as we said. The final okay. film uh, version barely resembles Hedden's original script at all. I can imagine it's expensive to, to to film in New York, especially in a busy area, especially in the fucking central city. Uh, spectators, you got to have fucking hella police. They want to get paid their due. Um, you got to set up all kinds. You got to redirect traffic. I get it. I don't. I don't understand Here's how the- anybody could ever want to film in San Francisco. Not just because of how it is now, but it is a fucking nightmare just for regular driving out there let alone hey let's film chaos in a city you know i think they shot too too large with her i mean the movie's fine yeah. you know like we said it's a fun watch i think they shot too far as far as their like goal if you just want to get jason out of crystal lake and not just have it at the camp what about the community that the that we barely see in part three? You know, when Shelley's like running over the biker gangs like motorcycles and all that. Yeah. Why not get Why not get them get him out in the town and start attacking the townsfolk for whatever reason and bringing the threat to them in that way? I mean, they do that technically in part nine, anyways. Yeah. Uh, they they could have done that in part eight, and it might have done better because it you know they wouldn't have had all the plot holes. They wouldn't have been having to worry about the, the budget, you know, as badly. I mean, they could have 
You know, it, it, I think it would have been better that way myself, but. Yeah, I mean, I do. Well, because here's the thing is, would we have gotten the hilarious scenes of him fucking kicking a boombox in the city, fucking no, with the kids? No, we wouldn't have. I yeah. mean, I appreciate those things. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I mean, but what if he'd went into town and there'd been some, the bikers there again or a version of them and they'd been playing with a boombox and he did that? I mean, we still could have got the scene technically. Yeah. Well, what you're saying makes more sense because. I, I don't know if I've heard my husband say this because I, I don't know how this got into my head, but he's like, he's in a big-ass fucking city. You're telling me, like, all these people. Uh, but then again, you got screaming fucking New York, you know? And nobody well, can seem to fucking find this one. I know they played it out really good, but Jason Voorhees was not played out. People knew about a Jason Voorhees, and you're telling me in, on a regular, any given day in New York, you know, he's literally walking down the street and nobody fucking notices. I th- well, I think they were playing into the joke about uh, New York and that the people there, if if it's not affecting them, they look the other way because Maybe, they yeah. know that, you know, I don't know if that's an accurate depiction of New York. I can tell you honestly, but but that that's the that's the stereotype about them. It's like you can be getting mugged or robbed, and they'll be like, "Nope, not my problem." You know, that's not affecting me. So yeah. Uh, at around a, one hour and ten minutes, Vincent Craig Dupree actually cut his hand in the phone booth when Jason shatters the glass around him. <laughs> that was uh, a good ass scene. Yeah, that that's where Julius is trying to call the police, and then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, Kane Hodder breaks in there, so he actually cut his hand on that glass. So, uh, they didn't. So I take it they didn't use sugar glass. Uh, even if they did, apparently it was too sharp. Okay, because sugar sugar glass is still sharp. That I mean, is true. Yeah. You know, uh, according to the DVD commentary from Crystal Lake Memories, The Complete History of Friday the 13th, uh, Lee Coleman was the original actor playing Sean Robertson. A couple of weeks later, after filming had started, he was let go because, according to producers, he came off as gay in the dailies <gasps> and they had no and had no romantic chemistry with a female lead, Rennie. So Scott Reeves was hired to replace him and reshoot all of the scenes that Lee had played. I mean, <laughs> look at nothing against anyone that's gay. But you have to be able to act. That is, if you are an actor, you have to be able to pretend. You know those guys that are gay for pay? They're not gay in real life, but they're taking it up the ass and they make so much money because fucking gay men love seeing a straight guy getting it. Okay, if they can do it, you can do it. <laughs> well, and also you get that, uh, and I, I'm, I apologize for not remembering the actor's name like off the top of my head, but uh, you get that same thing from friday you know part two where the actor is clearly gay has mm-hmm. no chemistry with a female lead and it comes off as i mean everybody around you knows it's like this the guy's gay like i mean it, Wait, you know, are you talking it's, about it's, nightmare it, on elm street yeah yeah yeah, but yeah nightmare not friday yeah. just but nightmare on elm street yeah part two where it's like uh and what is that and i can't remember the guy's name i wish i could but like no, no offense to him, but like he could not pull off like that straight, um, you know, manly lead or whatever. Yeah. It just didn't work, you know. And th- and that's on the casting people because they saw what he was, you know, portraying, and they didn't, you know, give him any direction. Otherwise, they didn't tell him, you know, hey, this is coming off weird, uh, and not weird in a bad way, but just yeah. not weird in a way that we're we, you know. Uh, versus what we would like for the character. You know? Yeah, so. I mean, in perspective now, looking back on it, we joke, haha, it was gay. And you know what? It was, if it just, here's the thing, is it kind of sucks, it's more accepting nowadays. So now we're like, okay, cool. Well, you know, gay people got their movie, and we appreciate that they got their movie. It's not 
terrible. It's just that they were trying to make it to where they didn't, they weren't able to say it, you know, like, oh, he's a gay character or he has gay tendencies. Like I said, today that would be acceptable. Back then it wouldn't. But then we just got this awkward gay horror film, you know, and it's just like, I tend to believe that they meant for it to come out that way. Uh, and I Mark agree, Patton's yeah. the actor. Mark Patton's the actor I was thinking of. I just looked his okay. name up, playing Jesse. So, uh, but I feel like the writer knew what the story, the subtext of the story was. Yes. And even if the director says he didn't know, he had to. Have he seen had it to know. Filming. Yeah, especially back in those days, somebody would have straight up been like, "This is hella gay," you know, in a derogatory way. But no, he continued with it, which, good for them. Because like I said, these the fucking community loves that movie, so let them. And I mean, it's it's not it's not a bad film overall. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's you know, it's a little bit striking when it doesn't really fit with any of the rest of the movies. Exactly. But, you know. well, well, if anything, we found, obviously, not Jason. <laughs> Why do we keep getting what, our slashers? Freddie doesn't discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> no, Freddie is. Uh, I mean, Freddie becomes sexy women, so he can yes. uh, confuse, you know, hetero guys. So there you go. I mean, Freddie um, is a uh, what's what do you what do you call those ones? They're, he's an ally. Freddie's an ally. Sure, if that's what you want to call him. Uh, the deckhand who's warning everybody that they're doomed is obviously based on Crazy Ralph. Oh yeah, I, mean, I thought it know, was him. It, yeah, it's it's a straight up like homage to the character oh yeah uh they fully intended for rennie their virtuous good girl to have a nude scene thus rebuking slasher norms in which only the slutty girls show skin they simply forgot to cast an actress who would agree to do it uh the director repeatedly worked on wearing jensen daggett down pointing to examples of notable notable actresses who had done nudity without causing damage to their careers first he asked her to know to go nude she declined then maybe just a topless again she declined Finally, he requested that she at least take her blouse off, and still she declined. So, good on her. Good on her, and this also goes to show you, yes, he did push a little much to get her naked. It's it's the movies, okay? You're going to get asked to do things like this, and you're in your rights to decline. She held her ground, but they also didn't fire her, and they could have. Yeah, they if they wanted to really, really push that point, they could have went a They could have, way. and they didn't. So you can't get mad at the director for asking. Uh, good on the actress for holding her ground, and good on everyone involved that, you know, hey, it still happened regardless of her not getting, showing her titties. I, I'm from California, so we don't, we don't have a lot of modesty out here. But me personally, I... At a younger age, and they're probably in their 20s, fucking look at it. Flaunt it while you can. You're not going to look like that forever. Well, I mean, we, we went through that with, uh, I think it was part two. They There was a top, <clears throat> there was a skinny dipping scene in that movie, and the blonde who did that said that she was hesitant, but like looking back on it, that was the prime of her life, yes. and she's glad that it was captured on film, you know, so that she can remember what it was like being, you know, that well you know uh endowed or whatever you want to say so yeah i mean come on now it's the prime of your life Uh, i wonder if jensen ever did anything not ackles god um let me see if she did any kind of nude stuff has jensen daggett ever been nude nope she has never so in general she not even in the future well good on her yeah 
in a 2004 interview with re- director Rob Hedden, his original idea for the movie was for it to be a crossover with Freddy Krueger from the popular Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But much like in 87, Paramount couldn't get the rights to use Freddy or come up with an, uh, an agreement to make both studios happy, uh, and Freddy vs. Jason would not uh, be made for another 14 years as a result. Um, so two movies in a row back in the eighties, we could have had the two big slashers fighting and they just couldn't come together on that. Yeah. At around one hour and 11 minutes, Julius throws punches at Jason for exactly one minute and 16 seconds on the roof of the building. Many fans have pointed out that he could have just tried to shove Jason off the roof since the edge was only a few feet away, but you know, he didn't. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Colleen Van Dusen was uh, named after Van Dusen Lodge, which was the name of the cabin in Camp Noby uh, Bosco, uh, which is the one uh, Alice and Pamela Voorhees first met each other in in the original 1980 movie. So, oh, okay. So it was, I didn't, we might have discussed it, but that wasn't Crystal Lake? Yeah. Uh, it, they, oh, it's just the name of the cabin, not the name of the camp. Yeah, it was the name of the the cabin in the camp or whatever. Never mind. Uh, the studio was looking for a Canadian actor to play Jason for the role. Ken Kurzinger was considered to play Jason back then, uh, but Kane Hodder was determined to convince Paramount to hire him again, but to his surprise, they, f- they felt he wouldn't be interested to reprise the role. Uh, Ken would instead play uh, Kane's stunt double in the movie and eventually replace Kane in uh, Freddy vs. Jason. Canadian makeup artist Bill uh, Terazakis mm-hmm. also worked on both movies as well. So Ken and Kane had worked together several times okay. prior to him being replaced. Which is insane. Okay, maybe it's not insane. This is coming from somebody who's fucking a whole ass fucking foot and more shorter than these guys. But like Kane Hodder is six two and Ken is six five. It's a significant difference. And I know for a fact that Kane is stockier than Kane is stockier than Ken. God he damn is, yes. You can tell the difference between the two of yeah, them. Yeah, so that's kinda weird that Ken would play a stunt double, but I guess it's gonna be quick scenes, quick shots, so maybe they hope you yeah. didn't notice. Yeah, and I mean because Kane is already a stunt yeah. worker, you know, stuntman, it's like really what I wonder what they had Ken. It had to have been like the most extreme stuff, like fire scenes or something. Something that, that Kane was know, like, "Nope, not today." Yeah. Uh, maybe that scene where he has to jump on the hood of the car. Maybe that's what Ken was. One of the scenes that Ken did. Yeah, because Kane um, would have fucking wrecked the car in half. I, I'm not. I don't know. Oh, oh. In fact, I actually know it was that scene because uh, in the behind the scenes, Kane Hodder was talking about it, and he's actually disappointed with that one scene in the movie. Um, he said that if you notice in the movie, uh, uh, Jason comes out of some kind of like little, you know, like security guard building or something like just this little shack, like, you know, structure to walk into the street in front of the car, you know, before he lands on the hood. Well, they wouldn't let Hodder do any of that stuff. And he, and he said that he talked to Ken about, you know, here's what I would prefer you do if you're going to imitate my character so it'd be the same. Yeah. And he said and he said he's disappointed with how it ended up being filmed on screen because if you look, and he is, I mean, they showed the scene after, and it's true. When he comes out of the building, he's swinging his arms, and it is not yes. how Kane walks at all. Like, Fucking it's completely shit. different. Fucking Ken, <laughs> which is a big thing with Ken that I noticed immediately after in Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> he does not walk like Kane Hodder. 
No, but he has one thing that fits that movie well, and I'll and we'll get I'll, to it. Yeah. you know, I'll cover it later. But it 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 actually fits the movie a little bit better the way they intended than what Kane would have probably done. So, hmm. um, Final Girl, uh, Death Holler Awards, Final Girl, Rennie, she's she's a girl. Yeah, she survives. Uh, she is not at the top of any of these lists. The Tina only, is better. Yeah. That's, you know. And that's not saying a lot. Again, again like I said, I like Tina, but it's not saying a lot. Tina's a cheat code. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jason, I really like the portrayal in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he's, I mean, the only part that I don't like in this movie, you know, myself, is that there's a couple scenes where they zoom in on his hands. And like in the previous movie, they did a pretty good job of like covering his hands up with those black gloves to wear, and then like having like the, the little bit of bone, like, you know, showing on the backside of it. Yeah. In this movie, mm-hmm. there's a couple scenes where you can see his thumb, and it's like a pink, healthy-looking <laughs> thumb. And I don't it, – it's so jarring when you see it. It's just like, okay. We don't appreciate hand? it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, he's constantly, like, dripping, wet, you know, in this movie. Like, it's – I mean, it, it's it's zombie drowned Jason. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, best kill – Julius getting his head punched off. Come on, you, you don't get that in any other fucking movie. Yeah, and I have it. That one is going to be the best one for me because none of the other ones were great. They, yeah, they were just okay. I mean, at least they had go- some gore associated with this movie. It was some, better than the last. Yeah, that and neck it, cut though from the um. I don't yeah, know. they as soon as it started to bleed whatsoever, they cut away from it. Yeah, yeah and it I was, was like, what the fuck is that? I did like. Okay, so there was other things I liked. I liked the girl getting slashed with the mirror. It was realistic. Uh, Kane took time to search for the perfect piece of mirror to fucking cut her. You know. Uh, while she's slithering and screaming on the ground, which is hilarious. Uh, so I did like that scene. The kill still wasn't as good as fucking him getting his head knocked off. And then in the sewer, when um, he just attacks the sewer worker guy, um, you know, it's like, you got to get the fuck out of here. You know, it's going to, we're going to release something. I don't know. And all of a sudden, Jason shows up and just fucking murders him. I, I thought it looked real. I thought it looked, you know, kind of cool. Um, but yeah, those, those are my two you know close runner-ups but the best kill was definitely the head being punched off the one scene that i liked kind of that they they did a good job of skirting around mpaa but still having the effectiveness of the scene Mm -hmm. is that very first kill of the female on the yacht uh whenever he takes that like harpoon spear and he just basically jabs it into her because it the way that it cuts back and forth between him and her you see it all the way down into the camera from his angle then you see her screaming and then it cuts away so you get you get the gist of what's going on without having to actually see it so it's it kind of plays back to like texas chainsaw where your mind fills in enough of the gap to where that one comes out pretty well in, yeah. the, in the wash um best scream i don't really know none of them stood out to me and maybe tomorrow whenever she's you know she's there whimpering as he's selecting the you know the, the perfect piece of glass yeah. or or maybe jj because you know when she looks up she's sitting there jamming to her you know catchy little song and all of a sudden she looks up and jason's like standing at the top of the stairs right above her you know yeah um tomorrow yeah she's slithering and screaming and i did mention it as one of my favorite scenes however i would say the best scream for me was the girl at the beginning in on the boat when she's in the little i forget what it's called the little area underneath 
the boat and oh, yeah. she knows yeah. she's going to get speared and she's just begging him not to do it. I, I like that because she's trying to reason. She doesn't know it, but she's trying to reason with somebody that's undead. That's true. Yeah. That, yeah. that wouldn't, that wasn't bad. It's just the third. I mean, we have, I mean, in the history of this show that we've been doing, we have Samara weaving and, you know, ready or not. And we have, uh, um, why am I blanking her name from uh, X or whatever? Uh, oh. Jenna Ortega. Mm-hmm. We had the two of them and their screams are so like, just, I mean, they're so good and so like different that none of these are going to really match up in long yeah. run anyway. Um, yeah, but still we're comparing to this movie. We're not comparing yeah. to them. Although yeah, there is going to be a competition at the end between them and these girls just don't, they don't qualify. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, I'd have to go back, but there's another movie we covered, and I think it was in the series, uh, this or or Nightmare, uh, where one of the girls like specifically had five or six different screams that she came up with for the movie. So I mean, that automatically bumps her up to at least third place yeah. for trying to come up with different types of screams throughout the movie. Um, best side characters, Toby the Good Boy. Yes, certified good boy. Um, you know, I'm gonna be real honest with you. To- Toby didn't do shit in this movie. Not a goddamn thing. He, he got out of the way of Jason. That's the smartest yeah, thing he could do. Yeah, he was smart. Well, we we will give Toby that. But like, uh, did he even square up once? At the end, like, did he square up to those guys that drugged Rennie and tried to rape her? Uh, no, he didn't. No. He didn't show up for any of that stuff where she was like in trouble in New York. I uh, mean, uh, yeah, uh, he still he still was smart. I mean, these characters could have made smarter decisions. Uh, we could learn a lot from Toby. Is what I'm getting at. <laughs> How annoying is the new prophet? It, the deckhand is pretty good. I mean, it's Crazy Ralph Jr. He fits the part perfectly. Oh, my God. Again, <laughs> I thought that was him. But that, that's what they intended, so okay. Uh, dumbest moment is Julius not trying to push Jason off the building. I mean, yeah. he was wore out. He shouldn't have punched. For But like you said, uh, he hadn't got to the point in his training where he learned, you know, how to, you know, kind of uh, – you know, let let it out a little bit, run the line a little bit on the other person so that he could conserve energy. Yeah, so, and that was my guess. Too that bad. Was, yeah, that was so my sad. that was my stupid way of explaining the stupidity. Um, because I could only guess, but I feel like that's some of the first things you learn in boxing is don't tire yourself out. Make be like Toby and make smart decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah, be like him and and get the fuck out of there. One hundred. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about this movie before we move on to Jason Goes to Hell? Um, just one thing. Like, do we think this movie was necessary in the series? There's horrible Friday the Thirteenth movies that we're like, eh, get gone. You know. Was it necessary? No. I mean, and and when I say that, I almost feel like uh, Patches O'Houlihan from Dodgeball. <laughs> Is it necessary that we have this movie? No, but I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it was Paramount trying to get more money. Yeah. And they did, although not as much as they wanted. And that's all you could say about it. I mean, it was, uh, I think that their back burner scripts they had, were better options, and I think Paramount would have been better off trying to secure some more funding to try to get that to happen versus maybe going this route. But we got what we got, so yeah, can't really do anything about that. Is this this isn't the end of Kane Hodder, is it? This is not the end of Kane Hodder. Okay. This is the end of Paramount owning the uh, series. Woo, okay. 
Yeah, this is uh, the the pass off point between them and New Line. They were like, "We can't make any more money out of this, or it's not the cash cow we thought it was." Here you go, you know, have fun with it. Yeah. Whisper and cry for the devil. 